Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by founder of the 8-Bit Network and host of the Hungry Gamers podcast, Brendan White. Welcome. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about a horror movie that I do like. I didn't go the other way and pick something I despise. I've got <laughs> It's very near and dear to my heart and hopefully near and dear to yours too. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, one of my favourites, although The Evil Dead 2 is my ultimate Evil Dead film. Yeah, I mean, everybody true. has their their Evil Dead film, don't they? I, I think so. And um, I'm, I'm with you too, too, which is pretty much almost just a, a like-for-like retread of number one anyway, but with a, a nice budget attached to it instead of a <laughs> piece. But um, yeah, two, two's, two's top of the pops as far as the Evil Dead world for me, but I'm also a sucker for Army of Darkness just for the full lean into the comedic stylings. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Ash vs. Evil Dead was a very special run on stars and on stand here for Australian listeners and um, obviously the the Fiddy Alvarez uh, interpretation yeah. in 2013 is still probably one of the most horrific horror movies I've ever seen from just a sheer shock and squeamish factor. But um, yeah, he I really lent well. into it. He really did. He really did. Um, Pretty Alvarez is doing a new film coming up. I can't remember what, but it's something. Yeah. But I know it's probably going to be really brutal. And yeah, like, like I know him from this and then he did Don't Breathe. And he did oh, Don't Breathe 2. That's why he's through. all over the place at the moment because yeah. that just released in the US. Yeah, so the blind man's back again. Somehow got out of prison after <laughs> doing all kinds of horrible, disgusting things to, to that poor girl in the basement. But he yeah. got out and he, he's back. He's almost like an anti-hero from what I can understand in this, in this situation. They've tried to sort of humanize him but um yeah with alvarez with the original evil dead and jane levy as the as the lead in the original oh in, in sorry the 2013 evil dead was it was a hell of a performance and really put her on my radar love her even though i can never look at a box cutter or a uh, stanley knife <laughs> the same way again but uh <laughs> it was it was a great great movie i took my girlfriend at the time to see oh, that God. in cinemas <laughs> She's not a horror fan. I was going to say, I'm like, if she's not a horror fan, don't know if it's okay to do that. It was a bad idea, but um, she wanted to go. Like, she knew how much I love these types of movies. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to support you. I'm going to watch this. I don't like horror. And it, I underestimated how fucked up <laughs> it was going to be. 2013 Evil Dead was going to be. And um, yeah, I think she probably loved me less after that. And it <laughs> led to our eventual breakup. I don't know. but uh, Who knows? It might have been the catalyst. That's it. That's it. So uh, <laughs> thanks or, um, you know, screw you, Alvarez and co, for uh, ruining my relationship in 2013. But uh, it's, it's a hell of a ride. And, and same as the original, the yeah. Evil Dead, uh, you know, 1981 classic. is It's such a special movie. It really is, and Sam Raimi is uh, one of my favourite filmmakers. I'm a I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, Evil Dead, uh, Evil Dead Two, the influence that he did have in the Evil Dead um, uh, television series, mm-hmm. and then of course my favourite. You're gonna say Spider Man? <laughs> no. Oh my god! Yeah, I totally forgot about Spider Man. Yes. Um, drag me to hell. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, I actually write about it in my um, in my chapter for Hero Scream. So yeah, yeah I actually talk about um, uh, shout and frown in my ability, like learning how to laugh at myself uh, through laughing at others. So. <laughs> 
it's uh yeah but i i definitely talk about my infinite love of uh of drag me to hell that movie's so good it's <laughs> so good and it's just raymond his best like yeah. it's just comedic horrific gore gross going everywhere <laughs> you know just overindulging every sense to the umpteenth degree and it's just phenomenal. I really, really, really like Drag Me to Hell. Oh, it's so funny. It cracks me up. You know, like I have, you know, San Remy on one end and then like one of my other favourite filmmakers is Del Toro who builds these beautiful universes and these beautiful stories with these really deep characters. And like San Remy does do that. It's just he just goes all out on this ridiculousness. And it just hits that funny bone for me. The yeah. Evil Dead, not so like this 1981 Evil Dead, just because I think he tried to take a really super serious approach with it. Yeah, I, they they weren't like I guess you know they were, they were just coming out of college. They were just a, a bunch of bunch of mates from film school and everything yeah. like that. And this was his first foray into into making proper cinema and, and sort of mainstream film. And yeah, I think they just went, let's, let's just go all out on the horror aspect. There is a couple of, you know, comedic moments in here. Oh, yeah. they, they don't lean into it anywhere near as much as they do in two and three and Ash vs. Evil Dead and all these other movies as well. This is a little bit more deadpan for the most of it and just tries yeah. to go a lot of the horror tropes, but uh, it's still, still so good for, yeah. for, for a bunch of people that, came out of nowhere and this movie really put them on the map and and in my humble opinion i think it's one of the most iconic horror franchises of all time uh, i would not disagree yeah like it's you know 30 odd years now to since almost almost to the day from when the first movie came out and there's video games there's comics they even did like an adaptation with the the marvel um comic line where they had sort of the the marvel zombies and actually had ash getting transported yeah. in there and he's the reason why that universe was zombified and all this kind of stuff like it's just crossed over into so many other pop culture parts of the world which i just adore and, and bruce campbell's a legend and oh i would if i ever met him i think i'd just pass out yeah me too i think i, think I, I just think dead so much. I, no i wouldn't die because i think that's a bit dramatic um <laughs> But I definitely, I, yeah, he's just fantastic. And he just seems so humble and so lovely and just a really well-rounded kind of dude. That's like, I'm Bruce Campbell. I am Ash. That's like, that's who I am. Yeah. And I love it. I, and I love him for being part of it for so long and being so supportive, especially with Evil Dead Rise currently uh, in production, the game that's coming out early, ne- early next year. Yeah, February next year. So yeah, um, yeah he's... Like it's it's not often you see a lot of these actors just embrace that they're pigeonholed and stereotyped into character X Y that they portray, but he's fully lent into it. Like even like when I watch something like Bubba Hotep, and I'm like, no, you're, you're Ash Williams. You're not you know, get out of here. Almost incarnate or something like that. You know, it's 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 Ash Williams and Bruce Campbell. It's it's one like it's one and the same. But yeah, um, yeah he's he, they've really sort of I guess squeezed the longevity out of this franchise, but they still keep reimagining it. And making it fresh and relevant, it doesn't feel like it's drawn out and it's just withered and a shell of what it used to be. It, it still feels great. Like yeah. that Ash vs. Evil Dead series, I absolutely oh my God. adored yeah. that show. And the the third season was so good. <laughs> it was so great. And and also, like I, I love, 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 love Lucy Lawless as well. So seeing yes. her jump in the show, and obviously she's um, you know, Robert Tappet's wife, who's a longtime producer with yeah. Sam Raimi and all these jaunts. It's 
it's great that they sort of keep this sort of family bond to it. Like, you know, you see a lot of the other Raimi family always jumping in and playing bit parts and that. Well, his brother was in uh, this film, wasn't he? He He was was. a stand-in at one point, uh, which is really cool. (laughs) And he was also one of the the first local fishermen that just cop abuse and waving and being friendly for no reason. Like, (laughs) That's it. It's like, yeah, cool, man. You know, Scott, you're unnecessarily angry throughout this movie but anyway was what it was and just for a bunch of unknowns to to make this like local actors and actresses local producers and just working with their family to yeah make this on a shoestring budget it's it's awesome to see and hear of the stories and them like you know putting everything they own for sale and trying to get money wherever they can to film this movie (laughs) and um it's it's you know got them to the success they have today it's it's a great you know, David versus Goliath type of story where it's, you know, the underdog has success and, and now look at what Raimi's doing. He's doing oh my a God. strange film now. Yes. And, you know, which I'm excited as hell for. But uh, I feel like that's going there. to uh, be a very dark route that Marvel takes. Um, yeah. He definitely did that with uh, the Spider-Man film that he worked on. And I saw his influence with that. And I think that that's what made me fall in love with the films that he do, he, he does, you know, influence and does work with. And he's just so, in, he's just incredible. He's prolific. He's in, I honestly, you know, that whole don't meet your heroes. I don't want to meet Sam Raimi. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little the to. same. Like, <laughs> I feel if I, if I met him or I met Bruce Campbell, I feel it would be like just a casual chat like this anyway. Like they feel like so. very grounded individuals. Excuse me, where you could just talk life and have a laugh and, and yes, be in awe the entire time, but like yes. <laughs> that you wouldn't probably get that big sense of ego and oh, this person's wasting my time. You know, I feel that yeah. they'd be very genuine and appreciative of you having a com- conversation with them. And um, yeah, I, I hope that I don't meet them and it, my dreams are dashed. But yeah, uh, that's why I'm like, maybe I don't want to meet them because yeah. I want this, like, this image of them forever that exactly exactly and so i can continue loving their work and and not have this like oh well that was fucking disappointing wasn't it yeah there's nothing worse than meeting people that you idolize or aspire to be in some regard and they turn out to be just complete wankers it sucks yeah i I feel these two wouldn't be like that no i don't think they would be i did meet um chris i can't remember his last name but he is in uh star trek not star trek stargate um He's the guy that has the symbol on his head. Teal'c? Yes, he plays Teal'c. Yeah, yep. And so I was working a, not a supernova, what was the other one? Oz Comic Con? Yep, yep. Yes, I was working in a gaming area of one of them and he walked past and he was like near me and he was like, oh, he nearly ran into me and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I just stood like, you're Teal'c. And, he's, and your he's a voice, imposing specimen. Like he's a big yeah. man, and the voice oh, yeah. he's got it, it is deeper than the Mar- like Mariana Trench. Like it is. Oh yeah, it his is voice beautiful. is beautiful. Yeah, I love he, it. He was so polite and so apologetic, and I was like, this. I like. I'm only five foot four. Like I am tiny compared to him, and I was just like, push, push me. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I, I, I'm playing no, I'm... and I feel horrible, but I love him. And, and like most recently in my gaming world, like obviously he, he voiced Kratos and, and he's doing Kratos again in, yeah. in the, um, the next entry into that series. And he's just a just a dude. Yeah. Have you seen him on panels or anything like that? Yeah, I love yeah, him. Yeah, he's great. Him. him and um, another pe- uh, other people we saw on panels were the... 
guys from Supernatural, Bobby and the guy who plays Bobby and the guy who plays um, Castiel, I can't remember their names for the life of me, they are so, they were excellent. They were also at another convention. I went to Armageddon in Melbourne and Chris was also at that one. <laughs> and Chris so Judge. I just Chris Judge. Christopher Judge. I remember, yeah. I couldn't remember his last name. But, yeah, he is. They're just so, like, when you get into, like, the real nerdy stuff and your sci-fi and your, like, weird horror stuff, that's where you find the most humble of people. I. It's just, it's because that's where your fan bases are so genuine and so, and that sounds really horrible of me to say, but. Like, I've, I've worked and been to all kinds of conventions, you know? Like, I've met all kinds of people, and I just feel like, yeah, when you get into the super nerdy stuff is where you find your, your real genuine people. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, and yeah, it's, it's nice to see when the, the actors and the writers and the directors sort of reciprocate that and they live that sort of medium as well as opposed yeah. to just being there for, for a paycheck like some of them may be or may not well, be. I have met people like that before, and I look... Uh, it's people I don't remember. Yeah. Like yeah. they could be anybody and I'd be like, oh, I don't remember you because you're an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's like that's one thing like I love and admire and I guess respect a little bit that Harrison Ford's like that. Like he doesn't give a rat's ass that he played Han Solo and Indiana Jones is like was a paycheck. It, it, you know, got me from where like to where I am today and whatever and it was what it was. Like he's not a, a devout fan like some of the other actors out there. But I'm like, yeah. no, you're sticking to your guns. At least you're honest. Yeah, you're brutally honest and that's okay. And if anyone wants to judge them based on that, it's like at least he's not lying to you. Exactly. Exactly. And pretending you, you that he likes he your company. <laughs> Like when we had the um, we had uh the producer and director of Devil May Cry come out to Australia for uh Madfest one year, and man, they are the coolest dudes. <laughs> they are so much fun. I love that. I love just real people that are yeah. that are appreciative and, and respectful of your time and oh yeah, just happy to be there. Oh, they were so stoked to be there. They were like, this is the coolest thing we've ever done. And I was like, really? But I also got to wear Nero's jacket. Oh, hello. It's like a $5,000 jacket. And I was just like. Did you try and steal it? No, because they were wearing it for their. um... walk out with it on. (laughs) I wish. I think they would have noticed it missing. But it was the actual jacket that they had used to do all of the motion capture for the game. So it was really fucking cool. It's probably one of the coolest things I've done in my career. Yeah, there's there's not many many sort of fashion items that could top something like that, that's for sure. No, it was really cool because myself and our brand manager got a photo and he's in Dante's jacket and I'm in Nero's and we're just Hell like, yeah. yes, <laughs> we're in $12,000 worth of gear right now. Holy shit. <laughs> but it was really cool. I mean, the stuff they do over at Capcom with their motion capture is so amazing and yeah. uh, very innovative. Yeah, that RE engine they're rolling across all their <laughs> I know. I'm s- still too scared to finish Resident Evil Village. Um, you need to. I know. So I just good. I want to do the. I want to be on. I want to be in the Step on Me Mummy Vampire Lady. Yeah, I want that. Um, I've gotten through the first village part. It's the next bit that I'm just like, mm, nah, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, we don't obviously want to spoil things, but that. Uh, that house with all the dolls and everything else that comes with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about the Evil Dead. Let's talk about the Evil Dead. I am so excited. Um, So the Evil Dead is a 1981 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Sam Raimi. 
and produced by Robert Tappert. It's also um, executive produced by Raimi Tappert and Bruce Campbell, uh, who also starred alongside Ellen uh, Senweiss, Richard D. Manacor, Betsy Baker, and Teresa Tilly. Some of these no- names you might know, Teresa Tilly especially. The film focuses on five college students vacationing in an isolated cabin in a remote wooded area. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a journey, and oh. and I love that. Um, yeah, we we don't get bogged down in backstory. There's no lead up to them going on this this road trip to this this cabin. Uh, I don't know who vetted that this cabin was a nice place to go to, like <laughs> in the middle of backwater Michigan. Uh, obviously, it was shot in Tennessee, but yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 evil haunted forests of Michigan, going across decrepit, broken down bridges, and all this kind of stuff, like. This was when they needed Airbnb. They needed some, <laughs> some kind of outside vetting. voting system. So they need a photo or something because, like, <laughs> they're so casual when they roll up to this this cabin, and it's run down and it's decrepit and it's freaky, and you know, there's animal carcasses hanging from the walls oh. and the ceiling, and there's sores and all these things, and they're just they're just so casual, like, oh, let's don't worry, let, let's just get dinner started. You know, it's all oh, good. Don't worry, let's just but. Before that, uh, when they're in the car, I think um, Cheryl says, "You mean nobody has seen this place?" So yeah. at least, like, she's thinking ahead. Like, what are you, you're just going to bring us out here, and nobody's been there. And she's she's the constant up until her eventual brain snap, and she ventures out, which we'll talk about as well. She's the Ooh, yeah. constant out of this group that is thinking smart and going, "No, don't <laughs> do this. whoa, stop that! I don't want to hear the tape." All these types of things, like she can see that that something's not not right here, and she's questioning these decisions that these fools keep doing. But yeah, they're, they're cruising along in the old uh, 1973 Oldsmobile, which is a, a staple of Sam Raimi. That car is in yeah. not only um, the Evil Dead films; it's in Drag Me to Hell, it's in Spider Man, it's in a whole heap of movies. It's it's he like loves that little, car, doesn't he? Yeah, loves that car, loves that car. But uh, <laughs> a lot of, lot of Oldsmobile Delta cameos in all these films and. They're cruising along and and then, um, yeah, they honk their horn angrily because um, the car, like the steering wheel, got a bit janky for some reason. Did that or did that not get, con- like, controlled by spirits at the time? I Who don't knows? Know. Scott is a just a really, uh, really angry person, isn't he? Unnecessarily too. Yeah. Like- He's obviously meant to be that, you know how in every horror movie we have that five people's stereotypes and obviously this was long before that was really established but it's kind of like you'd throw the hyper masculine jock in there anyway yeah yeah like, he, he sort of fits that mold he's, he's a bit of a sissy boy when you look at him but like the way he acts <laughs> he's certainly trying to be the yeah the hyper masculine leader of the pack you know he's the big dog of this group and everyone should get in line and yeah the the horn honks the fisherman wave he gets angry for waving at the fit like honking at the fish away for you and it's like what's your problem man you know, you know nice what yeah. uh, then they also uh nearly run head-on with another car on the opposite side of the road yeah there's just, a, just a big big truck coming the other way for no reason bang in the middle of the road this truck's just cruising along Scott's just casually drinking out of a glass mason jar as they drive. I'm like, oh, okay, well ahead <laughs> That's of his time as, as hipster forecasting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was nearly an accident and then um, they get past the truck. They're, they're going across this, this rickety-ass bridge to get to the cabin. 
a tire mm. like smashes through some of the wood in the cabin. I mean, it's in front of the, on the bridge, they get across the bridge and they pull up and the, the ominous vibe starts setting Ooh, in straight away when the camera sort of pans to behind the, behind the vehicle and the, the yeah. soundtrack changes and there's fog lifting and the, the um, like the outside um, sort of swing chair out the front of the cabin. Oh, so noisy. To the wall unnecessarily. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's it sets the tone early, you know. There's there's yeah. no no ridiculous backstories. It's just five people going on a holiday to a random rapey cabin <laughs> in the Michigan wilderness. Like it really is. Yeah. Um. So the cabin where this was filmed, and I got this from a Mental Floss article, which was like, um, ten facts you need to know about the Evil Dead. And so this cabin is actually shot in Morristown, Tennessee which you, you did mention before. And I'm just going to read a little bit from this article. So adding to the spookiness of the filming um, at this cabin, Raimi noted that the location's inherent eeriness is completely justified. During an interview with John Gallagher, Raimi recounted a horror story involving three generations of women, a grandmother, mother, and a daughter who had previously occupied the cabin. And he said, one night during a thunderstorm, this little girl woke up and was scared by the lightning happening around the cabin. She ran into her mother's room and pulling back the covers, climbing into bed with her, she found that her mother was dead. She was so frightened, she ran into her grandmother's room and somehow that same evening, she had died also. Uh, the little girl ran into the storm and to uh, to this other farmhouse that was nearby, found... Um, the family found her screaming and banging on their front doors. They they took care of her, and after that, no one ever lived in the cabin afterwards. The little girl, who is now an old woman, during thunderstorms after that, would often be found wandering around the woods. <laughs> <laughs> the kicker, however, was that story came to life during the film shoot. Raimi continued, as we were shooting, this fella from the farmhouse that took in this little girl was looking for the now old woman, saying that because there was a thunderstorm that night, he was looking for this woman because it was possible that she had returned to the cabin. As far as we know, they never found her. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. I'd just be like, we're out, we're going, fuck this. And and you hear like the like doing a bit of reading and, and following up on sort of just the productions and the shooting schedule for this. It was horrific. Like people yes. were getting sick, they were getting injured. The first day of filming, half the crew got lost as they were sort of <laughs> locations. They got lost out in this haunted ass foggy forest. And oh no, thanks. Yeah, it was it was true like horror for these people trying to shoot this horrific film and um i think it just adds even more like you can see some of the actors they they look like they are a little disheveled and broken and it's probably just from the living conditions they're all like sleeping on the floor in this cabin i would not be staying in that cabin yeah like there wasn't like there wasn't like running water like the the toilet systems and the, the shower oh, systems course, were yeah. working all that kind of stuff, but they were they were in there. They were committed to the bit, and I can uh, respect That's disgusting. them. Respect them for that. I'm just such a. Uh, it's just like I don't like to be dirty. Like I will have like. I get frustrated and like overstimulated if I can't be clean. It's that's not a problem to have. Like no one wants to be dirty and gross and unkempt. Yeah, I just but- can't like. If I'm if I have like dirty hands or dirt on me, I just can't think of anything but that. <laughs> so I was like, if I was in this place, all I'd be thinking about is the fact that I'm dirty. Yeah, well, well, they were thinking about that a lot during the shoot. Probably of this movie and yeah, some of the re- real world injuries they ser- like they suffered oh during gosh. filming, and then yeah. like 
Raimi and co were like then poking fun and like aggravating the actors. Like apparently there was a part where uh, Bruce Campbell like rolled rolled an ankle or something and they were like constantly poking at the wound with a stick to sort of get him wound up. And that's why in some scenes you can see Bruce having a noticeable limp because he's actually injured even more. (laughs) And like it seems like that was just hell for everybody involved. Oh, my God. Because it was only a couple of weeks, wasn't it? It wasn't a long period because I know that they were shooting it um, based on a short that Raimi and Tappet had already done at school. Uh, But what they wanted to do was show film studios, hey, we can do something that's like a full-scale production with like a minimal budget, but imagine what we could do if you gave us a budget. And I think that that's how The Evil Dead 2 came about because Raimi, I don't think, maybe he just wasn't impressed with what he had done with Evil Dead and was like, let's make this crazy. Let's do it again. Yeah, so we had it was I think it was within the woods. I think was what is the short was yeah. called, and yeah. then this was originally go, uh, going by the name of the uh, Book of the Dead. But they thought, yeah, you know, people don't want to watch a movie with the term "book" in the title, so let's call it <laughs> the Evil Dead. And- Do you know what's so funny? <laughs> I actually have a T-shirt and it has the necro, uh, Necronomicon on the front and it says, reading is fun. That's so great. I <laughs> love my that. Favorite book. Yeah. It's like my favourite shirt. I was like, I'm a book nerd and I love the evil dead. <laughs> I love the evolution of the quality of the aesthetic of the Necronomicon in these films yes. as well. Like in this first one. It's like a it's, scrapbook. It's, it's a scrapbook and it's so, like, you know, they made these things on a shoestring budget and you can see in some of the scenes, but... It's so fantastic. I love yeah. the the whole concept of yeah, the Book of the Dead and sort of what it leans into and everything. And, and um, yeah, they they really play on that obviously in this movie. But it's just so good, and it starts so well. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Scott goes in, he unlocks the door, and like it just the door, the way that it just swings open and it's dusty and dingy. I'd be like, my asthma would be like, no. <laughs> um get out of there i'm sleeping in the car um there's yeah like you said the animal heads everywhere the famous deer that we know from evil dead 2 film um but it looks like a typical hunting cabin and like for me it doesn't look like the kind of place i'd want to go on my spring break yeah i would not be taking my my non-existent girlfriend right now i would not be taking her (laughs) and some friends to what about your 2013 girlfriend she wouldn't come. She was, uh, she was very high society. You know, you know how you're talking about the like not being dirty. She'd be like that too. She'd oh, like, okay. We'd need to go glamping. We couldn't go uh, sleep in a cabin like this. So, I could sleep uh, in a cabin, but not like that. Just would be that. This is dilapidated. Like this looks like nobody's been there for years. But so I'd be like, so casual about it. Like <laughs> no one bats an eyelid to this. Where they're like, no one's like, oh, this is, this is you know. Gross. Like I know they allude to getting it on a, like as a steal, like it was a cheap cheap rental. Hmm. But like, wonder why? Yeah, there's no concern about to why. They're just like, oh, to to steal. This is going to be a great college break. Huzzah! I know. I have so many comments about this whole cabin when we get to them because I'm just like, what? So <laughs> later that evening, Cheryl, who is a budding artist, <laughs> she sketches the hell out of that clock. <laughs> she really does. Uh, uh, look, her drawings aren't that great. Um, but. I love this because she looks so, like, isolated from everybody else in the cabin and I'm like, where the fuck is she? It's like, it's a three-room cabin. (laughs) Where is everyone? (laughs) But um, she hears someone outside chanting, join us. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she looks outside, obviously, nothing. So this is is the first um, scene where we're seeing that there is a force outside, that there's something going on outside. We don't know what it is. And what you'll 
what I will tell you now is you never see it. No. It's not and, anything. It's and, just and evil. It's, yeah, it's it's just one of the the main I guess things you can you take away from Evil Dead is is this unknown force, this evil energy. That's that's something that Evil Dead the the franchise from for all the movies and the TV show has been known for. Yeah, it's, you know, that's it's, why I love it. It's the shaky cam evil force coming at you with like the sounds yes. and like that. <laughs> and and we get that first taste there where she's she's sketching up a storm and then <laughs> And then um, her hand evil, is possessed. Yeah, this this evil force takes control of her hand, and suddenly she can no longer hold a pencil the right way. She's gone from yeah. the finger grip to the fist grip, and then she like angrily sketches the Necronomicon <laughs> yeah. onto, onto the pages. Mind you, when I uh, watched this the other night, because I was just like, okay, I haven't I haven't watched this one in forever. Like I'll watch Evil Dead two like on repeat, and so I was like, okay, I'll I'll chuck Evil Dead on. And um, so I'm watching away while I'm taking my notes and whatnot. And I was just like, I, that book doesn't look, that picture doesn't look anything like a book, but I know that's what it's meant to be. Yeah. And that's why I was like, Cheryl should not go, Cheryl should quit art school. Yeah. I think, I think she was, um, you know, obviously she, she didn't have control of her, of her person while she's sketching this book up and afterwards and she came back to normality and the hand the hand possession went away you could see she wasn't feeling good and yeah. it was was one of the first of many of the older uh, close-up eye shots yeah i love them eye cinematography going on in, the, in this movie and it's fantastic and i love it that you can tell who the character is by their eyes yeah and yep. i think that that really goes to show that sam raimi does really focus on his characters in there not just their development but the way that they uh, emotively talk to one another as well, and it's just I find that kind of detail really important in films. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I just I just had a little throwaway line there when it cuts to before they're about to like doing the dinner situation. Bruce Campbell's hair before it gets like, <laughs> from all the chaos is absolutely phenomenal. It is so luscious and so full. Yeah, and yeah, it it's, it's prime Bruce Campbell right there. He is a beautiful man. He is a good looking man. He's, he's got a jawline that you could oh. smash bricks with. Like yeah, yeah. He's got Absolutely. teeth. Everyone in this movie what has great fuck? teeth. Uh, yes. And some, <laughs> because I had braces growing up, um, I don't know if, if you did, but um, noticing people's teeth is like one of the first things I do because like I'm the same. I, I didn't braces. have braces, but like I'm the same. I'm very, I'm very not only self-conscious of my own teeth, but I always observe another person's teeth. It's like just... I've, I've had like six teeth knocked out and busted Ooh. over the years. So these are like all fake along here. Oh, wow. So that would have been very, painful. Yeah, it wasn't a good time. But um, then you see these people in, like, you know, shooting this in the 70s and 80s where they've got perfectly straight teeth. And, and like, it's just like, damn you! How do you do that? I was like, my teeth cost my family $7,000. Yeah. But, I mean. <laughs> Worth it, though. I Worth would it. love to have been born with straight teeth because then I wouldn't have to deal with that pain. It would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, so we go, we flash forward to them all sitting down having dinner and Ash stands up. And he's making this really awkward toast. It's so bad. And it's really funny because, like, when we look at this dynamic and then you look at the friends in Evil Dead 2, obviously Ash is now the Scott in Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. and not this reserved guy. He is that fun, like, um, very outgoing, very charismatic, where he's not really that person in this film. Yeah, and he's, he's kind he's of like very shy and taken nervous. A, he's and, very meek in this movie. Yeah, it's weird. 
And um, it's just so funny to see that real, like, contrast in watching him in this film. And then all the, like, the TV show where he's yeah. just this The fucking... machismo is just flowing out of Asshole. his after this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I kind of really enjoy that because it's, like, mocking people that are that way. It's like you can sit and have a laugh and be like, oh, my God, there's actually people out there like mm-hmm. that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I love all Ash, like any film. He's great in this film. He He is a hero and... Um, you know, he does his best to to save everyone. And there's some really touching scenes in this film. And it's so weird to say that. But re-watching it, I was like, oh, wow, this is, that's really touching that he said that. And that's really cool that we see that Ash. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of nice, honest, raw human elements and moments to Ash in, in this in this first movie. And uh, yeah, that it's just sort of encapsulated in that speech where he's he's jumbling up the words and completely <laughs> stuffing it. And then Scott, I can't remember the exact words, but it's like you know, let's party or let's drink or whatever. Yeah, because someone's like, "What does that mean?" Yeah, and then um, yeah, just after that, we get the the first I guess introduction cellar door. to the cellar, and it's poof, cellar door smashes open, and Cheryl with her wiseness, you know, I don't like cellars. Let's just close it up. It's probably some animal. Let's ignore it. No, she is smart. She switched on, but sadly, someone listen to this woman. It does not happen. <laughs> no, um, but uh, yeah, Scott decides he's going down there, and before that, taunts Cheryl by saying an animal, and that's the stupidest thing I have heard of. Yeah, why would that be stupid? It's like, shut up, Scott. That's like the, probably the most logical thing. Yeah, what what else would it be, Scott? Tell well, us. You tell me. He does, and he doesn't. He doesn't explain. Because he's, he's just, fucking stupid. He's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. Yeah. And so he disappears down into the cellar. Now, this is my thing. That cellar is fucking massive. It's so big. It's it's far beyond the, the cabin work and the sizing of the cabin. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so when he doesn't uh, return, you know, um, Ash follows down behind him with a lot of hesitation. He doesn't want to go down there. He's in agreement with Cheryl. Um, but he catches up to him. And in the cellar, they find the Naturon... Uh, uh, Demonto, De, is that how would you how you would say it? or Demonto? De yeah, I'd say Demonto. That's how I'd say it. Yeah, that's how I'm, I'm reading I'm it. A hick, I'm a hick boy from the country, so my <laughs> my. Uh, no, how would you say it in Australian? Demonto. <laughs> Demonto. Demonto. De, like Demonto, <laughs> uh, which is like a Sumerian Book of the Dead. Uh, I love that they've brought in Sumerian. That's really cool. Sumerian's super ancient, and I love that, you know, they... And it goes on, you know, in the TV series, they talk about this, like, ancient evil, and mm-hmm. and I love that they build so much on this Sumerian Book of the Dead and, and everything, and um, the, I uh, can't say it, Kandarian, um, like, culture as well, which is really cool. Uh, they just make fun of it, and they're like, huh, look at this dagger, and I love he pulls up this dagger. Now, this dagger is very important. It in, really is. In every... It is, like, the thing that everybody needs to know. But he holds it up and goes, hey, this looks like an ex-girlfriend of yours. Yeah, I, I had that in my notes. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I did the rewatch again today, and I just no, kept myself laughing. Oh, it's I so totally good. forgot that scene happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, this kind of looks like your old girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, What? <laughs> I love it. Oh, it cracks me up because I was just like, it's such a typical like twenty-something-year-old boy thing to say. Yeah, 100%. like did you when you were in your teenage years? Did you ever play? Hey, that's your girlfriend. 
No, no, oh, I don't, don't oh. think I ever have, but it's a game I think I'd probably enjoy playing very much. My sister and I used to play, hey, that's your boyfriend. And it was usually like 90 year old men. And we'd be like, oh, that's your boyfriend. <laughs> we weren't nice. Man. I know. Now I'm just like, Kat, you're a fucking asshole. Those poor people. And the thing is, like, I would never judge people. But like, you know, when you're a teenager, you're judging people based on the looks because oh, you yeah. don't realize people have a brain at that age. And so like, I look, I take full responsibility and accountability. I was a jerk. And now I would never do that. Although sometimes it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> well you're honest you know and and i respect that but sometimes it'll be like hey that's your husband and i'll be actually talking about her husband doing something dumb yeah, that's fair yeah now we just actually apply it to real life <laughs> um so they take this tape recording upstairs because they think it's you know they take all the cool stuff so they take the book and the dagger yeah, and as you do. <laughs> i'd be like fuck yeah look at this shit I'd just take the dagger probably because I'd be like, this is cool. <laughs> um, uh, and so they're upstairs and Cheryl says, hey, how about we don't play that recording? But may continue to play. And on the recording, we hear a man say, uh, he's talking about like um, some findings and he says, I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturon de Monto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. So this is the book that Ash and Scott have found. Mm -hmm. It deals with demons and demon resurrection and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through the recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. And while this is all happening, Cheryl's screaming, shut it off. And of course, Scott's an asshole and doesn't. And um, as Cheryl is repeatedly screaming, shut it off, the windows smash inwards in the cabin. Um, yep. sh you know, shattering shards all over everybody in there. And Ash obviously sticks up for Cheryl because Cheryl, as we didn't mention, is Ash's younger sister <laughs> or older sister. I'm not too sure. I, I, they look like they've got to be close in age. Maybe, maybe yeah. it might be a year or so older, but it wouldn't be much. They're all, yeah. they're all sort of late teens, you know, early adults doing their They're all friends thing. still. Yeah. So, they're, they're, yeah, pretty Irish twins probably. Yeah, so so she's she's sort of the the third wheel in this situation because there's yeah. two, two couples and then old Cheryl Williams just coming along for the ride. Yeah, yeah, but she's the smart one as as we've sort of often alluded to in, in yes. this recording. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's against all the bad things happening and and then I love that Ash sort of s steps up after Cheryl freaks out and goes away and Scott's like, yeah. you didn't do anything when she was saying like, don't turn this thing off. Like you know, it's like calls him out on on his late. Um, attempt at heroism almost where it's like yeah you could have said something earlier then you know I didn't hear you complaining about not doing these things and it's like okay I like that I like that there was a bit of follow through there yeah and especially because like we do see Ash after this definitely just always step up and yeah. be like hey I am gonna be the hero now I am gonna do that I don't want to be called out for being like Scott <laughs> Yeah, but I, I do nice. like with with the tape playing and those incantations going. You get the almost like the Hellgate opening in the front yard with the ominous like red light breaking through the through the the ground and yeah. uh, you know the light the lightning strike that happened before the incantations even it was just a non react. There's just that random scene lightning strikes and it hits the tree directly out the front of the cabin 
but no one reacts. It's like, what is going on here? If that happened out the front of my house, I'd be out there going, what's going on? I'd shit my pants. But yeah, no, they were just, uh, you know, very stoic, stoic teens, I guess. It's just like millennials now, nothing phases them. No. Maybe that's what teenagers were like in the 80s. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Oh, don't worry about it. (laughs) So outside in the night, there is a storm brewing and thunder and rain are pummeling down on the cabin. It's a little bit ominous. We've seen other shots of, you know, the camera hurtling towards the cab, the cabin, um, through the, through the, through the woods. And, um, Linda, who is Ash's girlfriend, um, she gets up from the couch because they're, they're all making out. And I can't remember what she was doing, but she comes back and Ash is uh, pretending to be asleep on the couch with his small uh, blue box, uh, like a little gift box. And um, I love, I actually really love this scene because I think it's like one of the only films where we see Ash as a genuine person towards women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're not <laughs> like, just objects like they yeah. become in future iterations of Ash storytelling. Yes. Which, like, is probably the least problematic part of a lot of the Evil Dead series. Look, I still love them, but at least I... It's all context, everybody. Context. Yeah. Um, in So Linda tries, you know, she's checking out the box and Ash is pretending to be asleep. And it's a, it's a really nice scene between the two before, like, shit hits the fan. Um, inside, the box is a beautiful necklace with a magnifying glass. I don't get it. <laughs> This like I don't get laugh. It. I know you said like a beautiful necklace with a magnifying glass, but I'm like, who gives someone a magnifying it's, glass? It's a really odd pendant, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. But like, Linda's so in love with this. She's yes. like, oh my god, it's beautiful. Like you know, she puts it on straight She'll away. Never take it off. Wearing it with pride, but I'm like, it's a silver chain with a magnifying glass on it. Like, I mean, like, <sighs> look, it's just like you know where women just settle for. <laughs> The bare yeah, minimum. It's that mo- This is Linda's moment of settling for the bare minimum. I, I know a lot of people out there <laughs> that try and buy gifts for their loved ones and they just can't put any thought into it and they just, oh, you know, no. the first thing they see. So maybe, maybe it's this is what happened. They were late for this trip. You know, Ash was running behind. He was like, I need to get us something to commemorate. Fuck this. this. <laughs> Whatever the fuck this is. That'll do. Or maybe, maybe Linda's a, a amateur private eye in training. Who knows? Ooh. She's a bit of a sleuth. Maybe I should get one of those because, like, seriously, when my girlfriends and I'd go out, like, for we'd go out to like a gig or to like hot damn, they'd be like, "Oh, that guy is so hot!" I would find him on social media within like fifteen minutes. I'm good at that too. I'm, uh, I can find anybody. You, you give yeah. me, you give me two Just very me first names. Stroke. Yeah, yeah, I'll find you. First such- name and location done. <laughs> I, and I love doing that stuff. Like, I don't yeah. know if that makes me sound weird, but like I, I don't I don't actively seek these people out for my own benefit. <laughs> no, I do it for my girlfriends. Yeah, because like they know I can find them. They're like, "What the fuck, cat?" And I was like, "Look, I'm just really good at this." Yeah, I'm just just doing a bit of a pre-vet for you to make sure it's gonna be fine. I got this. Yeah, uh, my partner knows not to buy me jewelry. Okay, like it's Ned would magnifying glasses. I'd be like, "What the fuck?" No, he buys me really cool stuff. So, because he he'll buy me things that he knows I will use. See, oh well, I guess that's what practical in here. A magnifying glass has some practicality to it. Does it? Like that oh, magnifying yeah. glass is really small. Like I ain't looking at crossword puzzles through that thing. Yeah, maybe maybe Linda's maybe Linda likes to do a puzzle or like With a, a tiny ass magnifying glass that's like the size of a thumb. 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's really, really concentrated glass. Maybe it's, it's a small <laughs> magnifying glass in physical size, but the but glass the is concentrated, power. so it's got good zoom. Either that or she likes to burn ants. Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe she's got a bit of an ant fetish. <laughs> oh, my God. She kills ants. She's zero killer. She kills animals. Um, <laughs> oh, Linda. Linda. Why are you going to be like that, Linda? You crazy. <laughs> um so this is uh, another scene outside the cabin where we're watching from the point of view of someone approaching. And this is what we're talking about, that evil that we don't really ever see. It's super ambiguous, but we know it is like a, it, it's all consuming. Yeah. And we, I love that they do this super deep. It's not music. It's just like rumbling. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, as if the ground is moving. Primitive. Yeah. And that's what this whole Kandarian, um, like law is that they're these ancient beings and you learn more about it in army of darkness, but (laughs) (laughs) with a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that movie just weirds me out. I love it. I am actually talking about it next weekend with somebody. So I was like, perfect. Let's do evil dead because I'm doing army of darkness. So that's that's fantastic. (laughs) It's just, it's got, it's got some of the best zingers out of the entire franchise though. Like, Oh my goodness. I used so many of those when I was a, I even tried the old "give me some sugar, baby" to a girl once. Oh, did you get slapped? No, I actually got some sugar. So, uh, oh, okay. I mean, like it could go either way. Maybe it was in the delivery, but uh, it worked. So, uh, thanks, Ash. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> uh, later that night, Cheryl starts hearing voices outside, and she goes to investigate. Because, like, why not in the middle of bumfuck nowhere? Why wouldn't you go outside if you hear someone talking to you out there? No. This this was the first brain fart of Cheryl's tenure in this movie. She was very yeah. aware and wise to the potential evils and the things you don't do, but she just threw all logic out the window with this. Yes. And this is a scene where... Uh, <laughs> In the 2000, Fetty Alvarez version, uh, traumatized me, mm-hmm. and I was not prepared for. Only because it had, I don't think I'd actually watched Evil this Evil Dead yet. I definitely watched Evil Dead too, but uh, when the 2013 uh, reimagining came out, I was not prepared. And yeah, it um, is, it's it'll it'll shake you to your core. That's for sure. Yeah. In this, it's <clears throat> I'm grateful that it is. Look, no rape scene is ever um, less impactful, but uh, this didn't go on as long as the 2013 one did. Yeah, they, um, didn't, they didn't drag it out. And, um, yeah, I guess because of when they shot this in the 80s too, obviously the the practical effects weren't anywhere near as intense as in the 2013 iteration. Yeah, yeah it still doesn't lessen what's going on. Absolutely not. But, um, uh, yeah, it's night and day as far as that visual impact that you cop in the yeah. in the 2013 version. My goodness, yeah, it it was that was probably the downfall of my relationship right there. It was that, scene. that scene. Absolutely, she'd been like, "Holy fuck, why do you like this kind of stuff?" Yep. But it's also like, I don't like this. I this don't. Is, yeah, but I like it's... horror movies. Why would I condone tree rape? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's something meant to be impactful and make you feel horrible yeah and it's and called empathy yeah poor poor cheryl like she yeah she she cops it she's getting yeah assaulted by these trees and it's just not a good time but she manages to break free luckily yeah um so in an interview that Remy had done um i'm not too sure when uh with san diego reader he actually um 
you know, he talks about the, this uh, tree rape scene and he says, I think it was unnecessary, gratuitous and a little too brutal. He says, my goal is not to offend people. It's to entertain, thrill, scare, make them laugh, but not to offend. I think my judgment was a little wrong at the time. And the thing is, I think this interview came out after Fede Alvarez uh, did um, Evil Dead. So I think if maybe the interview was before he might have seen this and been like okay well Sam Raimi you know is rethinking his judgment on having such a violent scene maybe I'll remove it from mine but because it is really something that is synonymous with Evil Dead is this scene is that everybody knows oh I know this scene from I that's that movie with the tree with the tree tree rape Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and, and instead, yeah, Alvarez lent into it and doubled down. Yeah, that, that interview happened after the fact. There, yeah. So yeah, so I think this was 2015. This interview, actually. So I, I understand why maybe Alvarez didn't realize or didn't know, or maybe I don't know. I don't know if the doubling down was okay with me. Yeah, it personally. was. It was heavy to watch. Like that movie yeah. was just a gut punch from start to finish. Oh yeah, and that scene. I is do love that film. Like I do because uh, that story is so empowering and, um, you know, it's a, a an, an amazing story about addiction and overcoming, you know, addiction and whatnot. And, 100%, yeah. And, you know, having been there myself, it's, uh, it's yeah, I it resonated with me. Not that, you know, it ever got to a point like that for me. Um, and... Yeah, so, like, the characters in that film, I was just like, wow, you know, I've, I've been there, done that, like, with other family members' addiction myself. And so, like, Evil Dead for me is just really personal. And then that scene, I was just like, I don't need that kind of gratuitous violence. Yeah, it was... It was to bring a, a message home? Yeah, it was very unnecessary. But, yeah, maybe there was just a bit of uh, pressure feeling to, to sort of follow in, in Rami's footsteps from the... Yeah. You know the eighty-one release, and and they thought, you know, we gotta we gotta pay homage somehow. Maybe that scene wasn't the right one to lean into and dial up to eleven. Yeah, but they did. I mean, like that and... chainsaw scene when she like chainsaws herself in half. I was like, that is. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's, the shower of blood is up there with with <laughs> just about anything. You and know? like, I'm a big gore fan, and so like, you can imagine that the last fifteen minutes of that film is just like heaven for me. So. Yeah, but for the squeamish, my god, <laughs> maybe not so. It's a tough watch. Oh, uh, there's a few films that I'm just like, Ugh, like I am not a big fan of Hostel, mm-hmm. and like as someone who loves gore, people would be like, oh, you like the Saw movies? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Like I'll I'll watch anything. Like, and I've I've grown up on a diet of of horror and shock and awe and horrible things. But like, I'll never close my eyes. Like I'll always I because I want to watch whatever's in front of me as what the the writer and the director has sort of intended it to be. I want to get the yeah. full experience. But it doesn't make me feel any worse. Like oh, it no. doesn't make me feel any more que- like any less queasy yeah. or uncomfortable or disgusted. But I got. I got to sit through it. You know, I want to see that's what the intention this, of what this art is. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're there for. They're, and like Remy says, I want to entertain and thrill and scare and yeah. and like oh, yeah, me and Gore are just like we're best Bit pals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like some of my favorite scenes are like um, the rain, the the rain of blood, literally, not just a Slayer song um, in Evil Dead. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, Johnny Depp's death scene, Glenn's death scene in Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. where he's yeah. sucked into the bed and all the blood spurts out. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably my top two favourite scenes. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think maybe you get a little desensitised when there is so much blood. Like, I think... No, like, I still don't. Which is so weird. Like, I'll still sit there and be like, oh, that is yeah. fucked. <laughs> I guess I mean, like, um, yeah, like, it's like I have those reactions too, but then going to something like when you mentioned Hostel, like where they're, you know, you see like an Achilles getting cut or something like <laughs> that. Like, that stuff hits me, like, in a different way to, yeah, people getting sucked into a bed and blood fountains and everything. Like, that's yeah. huge and intense. But I think when it's more of that subdued realism, when you can picture that happening to you yeah. more directly, that's where it hits me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I've watched Costel once and that's enough for me. Yeah, I've, I've watched it a couple of times and it's it's fine. You know, it's it's got some good moments in it. But, yeah, it's not something that I want to go repeat you. Yeah, again. I really but, hope no one asks to speak about it because I do not like Eli Roth. So yeah, he's... He gets by a lot on the name. Like, he's had a couple I of know. big moments and now he just sort of skates through. I know. Uh, and it's like, just like, you're so mediocre. Yeah. And, and he's got, like, you Get know, out. he's got his own, like, horror. Oh, yeah. Kind of shit. I'm like, man, it's not even that good. How did you get this? Yeah. Get out of here. But I guess he's Mark. Like, he's, he's a good-looking man. He, he presents well. He talks well. So I guess when you're looking for someone to put on the screen and, and, and talk their way through these things, it's easy yeah. to sell to networks. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's on Shredder, his, um, uh, what is it? The History of Horror or Horror? Yeah, I, I think don't know. It's the History of See, Horror. Look, I don't even care. Yeah, neither, I've watched it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, it felt like that one felt like to me he was doing it for a paycheck. Well, I listened to the podcast version of it before I realized how much I really can't stand him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an acquired taste, I think. Oh, just the way that he treats women. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I was just like, oh, I, I can't support that until you take accountability for the shit you've done mm -hmm. and apologize to those people. So until you do that, sorry. I mean, like, it's no skin off his back, me not supporting him. So, yeah, but, but yeah, I just, it's just my own, nice. it's just my own morals and ethics. And if I want to talk to people about me supporting something and believing in something, then I have to enact those things. I can't be like on the sly watching Eli Roth on his fucking stupid TV show. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> no. no, very valid. I agree. Yeah. With the same as, like, I won't watch Rosemary's Baby because of fucking... What's his fucking... P P Polanski, because of Roman Polanski. I won't watch any of his films and I won't watch any of the Jeepers Creepers films because of the writer and director of that. No, thank you. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad, bad people out there making this content and yeah it's, it's good to have it it's good to have a moral code oh yeah absolutely i mean like nah, children that's definitely not on my mm -hmm. moral compass yeah no. so there. after cheryl's horrific ordeal with um the trees she runs back into the cabin um but i love that whatever took over the trees is like chasing behind her and we do get that really like holy shit get the fuck out get the fuck out feeling yeah and it's, it's the it's first cool. of the, like the evil presence chase cam that's you know a staple for yeah. it you see it so often in all the films and, and tv and games and what have you and it's it's nice and like the we get like an african percussion jazz track sort of thing as she's yeah. getting chased it's this weird it's this weird syncopated beat thing going yeah. on 
Yeah, now that I think about it, because I, I, I like to try and pay as much attention to the music as I can as possible. Uh, like I said, as possible. <laughs> but, like, obviously there's sometimes too many things going on, but I did notice that because I'm just like, oh, wow. That's... Yeah, and it's the only time we get that type of sound or beat or rhythm yeah. in the whole movie. We get a lot of the the 70s and 80s sort of synth wave noises and like the geos and all that kind of yeah. stuff, like the, the, the dread synth and everything. But yeah. this is the only time we get this weird African jazz percussion thing. Yeah. I don't know. Look, maybe it was budget and they were just like, well, that's the only soundbite we can afford for that. Yeah. So we're going to use it in this scene here. Makes um, sense. Because there <laughs> so, is some shooting inconsistencies if you pay attention throughout this movie due to, due to the budget or lack thereof. And if you watch it enough times, you will also pick up on a lot of it. And you're like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash hears Cheryl at the door and lets her in just as time. And we see that we, we, as in us and the Dark Force, retreat away from the cabin. And do you know what I really loved about the Evil Dead and the Evil Dead 2 is how we see, like, the smoke and the fog come in and then retreat back. Yes. I loved that. Oh, it just always gave me, like, goosebumps every time. I'm like, Ooh. Me too. And I loved that you get, like, this defeated groan from the evil mist when Cheryl gets in. Yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Back <laughs> all right, next time. Um, so Cheryl is telling them what had happened to her and nobody believes her. Scott completely dismisses her, but Ash does. And he agrees to drive her into town um, where she can stay at a motel for the night. Uh, Ash has trouble starting the car um, and Cheryl Cheryl um, says, sorry, before he gets in the car, uh, Cheryl is sobbing into Ash saying, no, no, it was the woods themselves. They're mm-hmm. alive, Ashley. The trees, they're alive. And this is a line that's repeated throughout the film. And I love that they kind of do that to bring home this whole, the woods are doing this. Like there's something out there that's that's out to get us. And while they're in the car trying to start the car back up, Cheryl's saying, I know it's not going to start. It's not going to let us leave. Yeah, and the there's this whole what is... That line. The cast which is on to almost yeah. sort of I was like, throw the, the skins off the evil woods and, and the deadites and things, you know? Yeah. Well, see, I love that. I love the evolution of the deadites because Evil Dead, this one, will never be like my deadite version. And mm-hmm. I, I, I like what they did, but I love how insane it gets in number two because it's yeah. just ridiculous. And then obviously three with Alvarez's like imagining of what deadites are is really is really fascinating as well. But I love them in the TV show. They're Me too. brilliant. Me too. Brilliant. That's so good. So good. And holy moly there is some creative kill scenes and very yes. disgusting moments and Fuck yes. Who hasn't watched Ash vs Evil Dead? Stop the po- oh, no, don't stop the po- watch listen to the whole podcast <laughs> and then go watch, go watch all Ash of it. Evil Dead. <laughs> Binge all three of those seasons and yes. just be happy. I love the start of the third season where they're like all living in Florida where he like just wanted to go in the first place but <laughs> that like they all go with him and I was like I like that. Yeah, like just that you the, all made it. <laughs> it was fantastic and, and just it, it's one of my favorite TV shows of God knows how long, maybe of all yeah. time. Like it's it's just a great ride from start to finish. And yeah. um yeah, the seeds are certainly sown with some of the things in, in this movie and then beyond. Yeah, absolutely. So they get to the bridge to find that it has been destroyed. So they knew it was already like rickety and a bit how's it going before they got over there. Uh, but they both get out of the car. Ash disappears, obviously to find like an alternate route 
out of there. And there's a sign that says dangerous bridge, three ton limit or something. Yeah, I think it was yeah. even less than da- that. Dangerous bridge, three ton limit, travel at your own risk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I was like, the look on Cheryl's face is just like, fuck. Yeah. <sighs> it really was our own risk, wasn't it? It really um, was. But, yeah, Ash just ghosting away, like, unexplained <laughs> to Cheryl. Just leaves her. See ya. And he's gone. And, and he's parked so far away from the bridge, by the way. It takes us oh, so yeah. long to walk there and see this. And but, she's just like, Ash, like, she's freaking out because Ash has disappeared. And then he just, like, creeps up on her and grabs her. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't do that to people in the, especially a woman who's just been assaulted in the woods. Exactly, exactly. What yeah, the fuck? He's, uh, not not aware of his surroundings. That's for sure. No, didn't read uh, the room there. Didn't, did he? And she repeats once again, "It's not going to let us go." So they get back in the car. They go back to the cabin, and Ash is now sitting and listening to the tape because obviously he wants to know what the fuck is going on. And he's like, "What the hell?" And on the tape, he hears the voice of the man again saying, I now know that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of... Bodily dismemberment. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Fuck so, yeah. So good. So um, good. Do you listen to last podcast on the left? I do, yes. Okay, so you know when Hen- Henry Sabrowski is always like... Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of in this movie. <laughs> Like, that's so metal. <laughs> it really is. It's such a great line. And I love the advancement of the narrative through, through like, the, the tape deck and the recordings of, yeah. of this professor. But I'm also like, how can you be so casual recording this when your your wife is possessed and you've just been made aware of the, <laughs> the pieces? But he's just like... Yep, Bodily dismemberment. He, it's, it's like he's just... Science. He, he's, he's like, logic, i got to do it. I get it. All right, let's go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's, that I'd be really hysterical. Yeah, me too. So I would, everybody. I'd be like, I can't believe I've got to fucking cut this body up. You can do it. You can do it. I'm yeah. not doing it. But um, we do find out more, obviously, in Evil Dead 2, the story of the husband and wife from mm-hmm. the cabin, which I, I love that, that they provide that exposition, and especially the woman in the basement, in the yes. cellar. Yeah. She's fucking excellent. Um. <laughs> So the girls are playing cards and uh, Cheryl is looking out the window and she becomes demonically possessed, telling them that the demons will kill them. And she is shouting, uh, why have you disturbed us? Uh, Why have you disturbed our sleep, awakened us from our ancient slumber? You will die like the others before you one by one. We will take you. And, and she repeats that again. And then she drops to the ground. Yeah, because she was As if, like, at the time. Yeah, she was like full on like the exorcist. I don't know if uh, Reagan floated in the exorcist. I can't remember. Yeah, she did. On, on um, the bed, off the bed she did. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's like if you become possessed, one of your talents is floating. Yeah, yeah. It goes hand in hand with possession, I think. Yeah. Floating, pr- like protruding some kind of very gross liquid that's not normally colored you know whether it be white or green or whatever Black. you know that floating maybe a head spin oh yeah eyes. crazy eyes that she does get the crazy eyes although not the dead eye eyes that we do know and love yes uh unfortunately damn it obviously we see what budget gives you in evil dead 2 <laughs> very much so yeah those those eyes from evil dead 2 and beyond are just oh. so good and the mouth like the way they do the teeth oh i'm gonna watch ash first evil dead after this um i would have loved to have just been 
a uh, fly on the wall in the um, like art department for this, like doing the prosthetics and watching what they do and how they do it. Maybe there's a video on YouTube. I've, I've got such a love and adoration and respect for, for, for prop workers and, and special effects yeah. companies, especially like during this 80s and 90s heyday when CGI obviously wasn't really a thing. So seeing, you know, the work of Stan Winston and co like that, the stuff that they can create just out of their minds, the moves yeah. and acts, it's just so, so, so special. And this movie, even on its shoestring budget, does some really good work from yeah. a from a effects point of view. Who did all the effects for this? Raimi did, didn't he? Did, didn't he? Was Raimi, Raimi did, and yeah. there was another guy. Let me try and find his name. He actually did one, two, and um, Army of Darkness. What was oh, his cool. name? But he didn't really do anything outside of these movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, where was he? I recently watched The Fly. Phenomenal, phenomenal movie. I love yeah, it was the first time I'd seen it. It's it's an all-timer and, like, obviously it's it's during this iconic run of 80s horror classics, Cronenberg's favourite movie for me. And, um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. Yes, I love Gina Davis. <laughs> me too, me too. She, she's an icon. Obviously I Goldblum actually, is wait till well. you see what I have. I have a fly tiki mug. <gasps> That's so good! It's, yeah, it's not very practical for drinking, um, so... I use it as a pencil holder <laughs> and because I don't really drink anyway. I mean, I could put maybe pineapple juice in it. Yeah, you can put whatever you want in there. Which, but, um, um, I love Cronenberg and I'm a really big fan of his son's work, Brandon Cronenberg's stuff. Have you seen Possessor? I have. It's Ooh. fantastic. There is, I love that movie. Holy <laughs> Jesus Christ, there's some scenes in that though that, especially at the end, holy yeah. shit, but no, Possessor... So Another good. chef's kiss. He is just for and, and like people are like, oh, people, like uh, you know how they've been recently going on about this whole nepotism thing about mm-hmm. you know certain directors' children have only gotten somewhere because of such and such, and it's like no, Brandon Cronenberg owns his shit. Like, yeah. and yes, he, a lot of his dad's stuff has influenced him. Oh yeah, but I think it's influenced sure. in like the grotesque and the um the abnormal. Yeah. and the object and i think that the cronenbergs just really own that and i think they're in a league of their own to be honest so <laughs> yeah they're, they're up there on like the mount rushmore That's yeah <laughs> of really gross horror <laughs> body yeah. horror yeah yes a holy moly yeah that that came out of nowhere for me like i heard of it on like a couple of websites that i sort of frequent just to you know get my horror news and stuff and i'm like yeah check this out and my god did it punch me in the face and in the oh yeah oh yeah several times Oh, it ruined me. And I just, oh, there's just so much I love about it. And being a um, being a sociologist, uh, re-examining it as a sociologist as well is really interesting, talking mm. about, you know, how far do we let people control what we do and um, how, like, how much of ourselves do we give to lose our identity and what does identity mean in a modern world? And, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. It really is. If, if anyone hasn't watched that as well, do yourself do a favour and track yes. it down. Uh, I bought it on Blu-ray at JB Hi-Fi. Ooh, so, okay. yeah, it's got all, like, the behind the scenes and stuff, which I haven't watched yet. So, uh, But, look, I have plenty of time on my hands <laughs> being I, uh, in lockdown. I, I rewatched that <laughs> about a month or two ago with my mum, of all people. Oh, did she enjoy it? Yeah, she did. Like, nice, because I know your mum likes horror and stuff. <laughs> yeah, she's responsible for probably getting me into horror. Like, she let me watch... <laughs> The Evil Dead, Pet Cemetery, Hellraiser, and all that in the early '90s when I was like nice. six or seven, I was far too young to Fuck watch yeah. this stuff. But <laughs> she let me watch this stuff. It broke my mind and gave me nightmares for a long time. But yeah. she's well adjusted uh, now me on this path. So uh, thanks, mum. Love you. Yeah, 
thanks, thanks, Brandon's mom. <laughs> I yeah, love that she liked Possessor. That yeah. just, I love that. That's yeah, so cool. She, she enjoyed Possessor. She's uh, she's got a good taste in in horror, and she's yeah certainly responsible for for shaping my uh, enjoyment as far as film and the the macabre and the horrific I'm thinking and the twisted. And- I might um get my grandma because I I live with my grandmother um to watch Hereditary tonight. <gasps> she hasn't seen it. Is but she, she like that's. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like one of those ones that would like scare, scare her. It's 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 a style of horror that just makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, she's it's not. She dread. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna watch it because I haven't watched oh, it in so long. God, I'm gonna I watch see. It. I see so <laughs> many of the um the memes doing the rounds now about you know, <laughs> my, my 2021 plans and then the Delta variant. And it's always the poor Charlie and the tree and the, and the, <laughs> the, um, lamp the light hole. It's like, Oh my, I know what that is. <laughs> ah! When I first saw that, I just sat with my mouth open for like 20 minutes. Yeah, me too. It, it was a moment in a, in a in film that just hits you like a truck. And then that yeah. truck has stayed on top of you for a while. The rest of the movie. Yeah. And I just want someone else to watch it for the first time where I've already seen it and I'm watching them watch it for the first time so I can see their reaction to it. Just for that one scene. Maybe I'll get Ned hasn't seen it yet, so maybe I'll watch it with okay. Ned. Yeah, it's 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 heavy. It's you gotta be yeah. prepared. Okay. Yeah. But Tony Collette in that is phenomenal. Give, where's her fucking Academy Award, you motherfuckers? Yeah. Anyway. Um so Cheryl is possessed. Well, she's not, she's on the ground. Yeah, she's she's sort of um yeah she's passed she, out. She's passed out. The, the the demons, the deadites, the evil spirit could only take control of her for so long. Conveyed their message about how they're going to all die, just like everyone else that goes to this cabin does. You will die in seven days. Uh, no, um, basically <laughs> there and then that night they're they're yeah. all gonna they're all gonna fucking die. Uh, yeah. However, <laughs> Cheryl surprise surprise attack wakes up and stabs Linda in the ankle with a pencil, which is fucking and, and she stab, she sticks it in there and, and she's, she's twisting like, it and spinning it. I don't, oh. I don't know why Linda didn't immediately jump away. Like she's frozen in place with a vomited. 2B pencil in her ankle, just going, getting twisted in. But lo and behold, it happens. Literally, uh, I would have just thrown up if that yeah, had happened to me. Uh, just from the pain, I would have been like, Bleh. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is with horror and... A sneaky ankle or Achilles attack. It's oh, a constant trope, isn't it? Like, yeah. And it feels makes you feel gross every time you see it. Like you immediately like almost reach for your ankle or your foot. And oh, you no, cringe like curl your toes, and you're like, yeah. oh no. Um, however, they do make the smart decision to lock Cheryl in the cellar. They don't kill her. I was yes. like, oh, that's a good idea. Scotty, she might be Scotty okay. Her in the head many times. Oh with yeah, the gun and I forgot about that bit. Yeah. Gets her down in the cellar and then they they chain it shut with the the big chain that's uh you know alluded to right at the start of the film when they're down in the cellar and yeah somehow he's found a padlock and he locks old Cheryl in there to to think about mm. what she's done yeah and um Linda not Linda um what's the other Shelley Shelley no. is upstairs crying asking about why does she keep making those horrible noises uh, she's possessed. <laughs> But somehow Linda's asleep. She's just sleeping peacefully. Well, oh, Ash has yeah. put her to bed. Um, Scott put Shelley to bed and he's like, it's time to get some sleep. She's devastated about everything. And um, the dark force is now like, it's taking no, 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 what's the word? Um, no prisoners. Yes, that's one. 
I was like, no casualties. <laughs> it's it's trying to make all the casualties. It's, yeah, no, everyone's going to be a casualty in this. Um, so the Dark Force heads straight towards the cabin, smashes through the window into the room where Shelly is, and Scott goes in to look for her. He's like, so well, casually. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh, oh the, what's that noise? Let's go in and have a look. Yeah, looks in. She's not in the bedroom. Looks out the window. Oh, she's not there. I guess we'll just cruise through the house, not make a noise, not yell out. In, in cupboards? I'd, fuck, I'd be like, nah. Nah, she got sucked outside, I'm leaving. Yeah, we, we get two tense uh, pullback of the curtain scenes, back to oh. back, where it's the it's the makeshift clothing cupboard those and then the shower. Those, ones, those are the scenes that kill me, because I know I'm going to, like, scream. I'm going to be like, oh, oh, my God. That was so predictable, yet I still pooped myself but instead shelly's somehow like a stealth ninja deadite and she's just suddenly behind scott in the bathroom and yeah that's clawing in his face well, she latches onto him like a koala <laughs> and he's like trying to get her off and she's like fully wrapped around like scratching his face and like he, and he like launches like so they eventually make it out into like the living room mm-hmm. shared area and he launches her off of him to the ground and her head hits the fireplace. And, um, but at the set, at this time, like Shelly's also choking Scott <laughs> as well. And it's just like such a weird scene. And I'm like, what is going on? I love too, that Cheryl from the, from the cellar with her head popping up through <laughs> yeah. the door. She's getting excited. She's like, She's yeah, like yes, 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 yes. Fucking do it. Friends. Um, so Scott, um, has a small knife and he's, he's stabbing her with it, but then, um, there's someone has, Shelly has the dagger and like, there's all this stuff going on and Shelly chews off her own hand. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> cause he's stabbing it. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's, he stabs her with, with the evil dagger that's um, right yeah and so she and it's in her hand and so she chews it off and i was like yeah she's just munging from the wrist down like and it, it's some some great um practical effects so good there. and then the best part is then scott grabs the dagger with shelly's hand, hand. <laughs> the dagger and then stabs her in the back it's and we get, so like, good the smoking and the the demon noises and everything else is just starting to flow and then we get a bit of milky substance shooting out everywhere oh yeah yeah I and was then like, that's a bit gross. you think she's dead he's done it no but no um she yeah that um that white substance was like i was like well because like i <laughs> as you know i have a vomit phobia mm-hmm. so these scenes for me i i helping with my phobia i don't know okay do, do you get a bit of a retch happening when you're watching these you... no uh no. when i was a kid um if you pretended to vomit i definitely vomited um so that was <laughs> something that i slowly had to grow out <laughs> my cousins used to do it to me all the time they just pretend to throw up so that i would and i'm like thanks <laughs> bastards like i literally cannot i can't i it's just something that happens it's um sympathetic vomiting and it's not necessarily from the phobia but I think that eventually developed my phobia. Just a bit of a trigger. Yeah, yeah. eventually, like, because my cousins thought it was just so funny to have me throw up. I, I still am a sympathetic vomiter, so I, it's just an automatic reaction of my body. But in movies, it's different. In real life, not okay. Ah, 
It's, it's, mm, I wonder strange. why, because like the sound is still the same. Maybe and sometimes I have to cover my ears. Okay. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, can't, can't. Like if it's like a really gratuitous vomiting scene, I will literally just skip through it. Because yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, nah. <laughs> Raimi loves a good vomit, so uh, uh, yeah. Actually, yeah. in Drag Me to Hell, that scene always cracks me up because that the first time I saw it, I felt really sick. Uh, <laughs> but now that I know that it's coming, I'm like, oh, it's fine. But the fact that vomit went into her mouth, I was not okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the thought of having someone else's vomit in my mouth. Like, that. yeah, this is what phobias do. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> it's just like ruminating on the fact that nobody has ever vomited in my mouth, but <laughs> I can imagine yeah. it. It's gross. Um, so Scott grabs the axe and dismembers Shelley. Yeah. Because he remembers body dismemberment. You've got to... Yeah. But, that, but that's not before when he's he's yelling to Ash to hit her with the axe, but he's stood there frozen yeah. as to what's going on with the axe in his hand and then Scott grabs it and like, fucking cuts the absolute whacker. shit out of her. He's like he's he's in it. hard in the scenes. Like it's like a you know, a film swing as you see, but yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of blood going on. We get the first of the uh the many blood cams that we see throughout yes. Raimi's Raimi's film career as well. Uh, but then cuts to afterwards, though. But Scott, he after he's done swinging, he pulls the axe away, and for a split second there, the axe head is completely clean. But then in the next scene, it's, it's bloody again. But cuts back to nobody shit. noticed. Yeah, a pile of bits just shaking oh, and writhing yeah, and twitching. That bit and... me out. Scott's really pragmatic about the whole situation, though. Yeah. And Ash is just, like, really shaken up. Like, I can't mm-hmm. believe you just fucking cut up your girlfriend. Yeah, because then Scott casually after that is like, we're going to bury her, you know? That's what we do next. Well, yeah. yeah. She's our friend. We're going to bury her. But then he has a brain snap, old Scott. After yeah. Yeah. He was so tough and hardened in that scene that he's yeah. like, oh, we got to get out of here. And he and just all of a sudden he's like, Fuck everybody else and goes on his yeah. own. Um, he, and he literally says to Ash, Linda's your girlfriend, you can deal with her. Yeah, it's like, yeah, thanks, buddy. I was like, oh, well, fuck, all right. But I just helped that. you bury parts of your girlfriend, but so mine now is just deal with foot mine. is too hard to deal with. Fuck you, Scott. We're not Fucking off you go. See ya. Go. Um, so Cheryl's in the cellar, <laughs> fucking just making fun of them. And she says to Ash, you know, soon all of you will be like me and then who will lock you up in a cellar? <laughs> so great. And I can't help but laugh at that because I was like, Drew, who's going who's gonna to lock him in the cellar? It's such a, such a tongue-in-cheek line. Yeah. It's so it's dumb, so but I'm like, it's so great. Fuck, I, lo- I really like Cheryl, like, possess Cheryl. She's great. She'd be, she's, uh, she'd she's be food at parties. Oh, I'd, I'd be like, possess Cheryl's coming to my birthday party. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that. I'd, I'd, I'd You'd come to the party? Yeah. yeah, see? Sweet. I'd be at a safe distance with some kind of sharp object. <laughs> a Kendarian dagger? Yeah. yeah, that looks like Mike's girlfriend. So. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. She was a great great girl. Wish you all the best, Ali. I hope you're doing well in London. But, uh, <laughs> sorry for taking it to watch The Evil Dead 2013. This is almost 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reliving some trauma here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's no, fine. It's fine. Um, so Ash goes in, he's going to check on Linda and discovers that she's possessed too. But the way that Linda is possessed creeps me out. Yeah. She's, she's like, like childlike. Demonic childlike clown kid possessed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's just I'm not laughing. okay. 
Yeah. She's laughing her little head off, just sitting in the sitting in the doorway. She doesn't attack anybody. No, not not at first. Anyway, she's well, just having a giggle, just just living her best. False dead hope. Life. False, false hope for everybody. Um, uh, Scott comes back, who has been had the absolute living shit beaten out of him by the trees. Yep. <laughs> and this is where you know Scott also says, um, you know, don't you see Ash? They're alive. He's talking about the bush, and then he passes out. Linda's sitting and having a good old cackle at Ash and he gets pissed off and, like, punches her in the face, like, multiple times. I was like, what? It's such a great couple of minutes there because, yeah, Scott's like, the tree's Ash, they know, you know, and and Ash is frustrated, slaps Linda a bit, Cheryl's laughing and cracking jokes in the cellar. And then uh, what, did, what, is, what does she say? Kill her if you can, lover boy, <laughs> with, with the gun, but he can't do it because he, he loves his loves his Linda so much. Yeah. Also, so funny. the shit out of Scott when he passes out. Like, Scott's passed out. He's cut and bruised and beaten. And he's really sore. Smacking him around. <laughs> because that's when they do have their little, is this where they have their, like, no, this isn't where they have their, like, love scene. The Scott and Ash love scene. No. <laughs> No. That's a little bit. That's a bit. Yeah, this that is where he's like, later. like that's where he comes back with the the glass of water. Are you saying? When yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That comes back after that. Where, um, yeah, Ash is like, he's starting to, I guess, have a bit of a brain break. He's like, you bastards, why are you torturing me like this? Yeah. Why? And then, yes. um, then Linda's like singing the the childhood rhymes. It's you know we're gonna we're gonna get you. Not another peep. Time to go to sleep. Yeah, <clears throat> but um. Oh, I love it because Cheryl's in the cellar pretending not to be possessed, telling mm-hmm. Ash to come closer. And then Linda's pretending not to be possessed as well. And it's just a really um it's a really cool scene for for Ash because um, you know, he is pointing this shotgun in Linda's face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she reverts to this unpossessed linda and he's just like oh my god oh my god you're back and before you know that that was enough ash oh it's all it's gonna be okay then no idiot but then after the the chance and stuff he just randomly drags her out of the cabin into the yard and then just leaves her there and then (laughs) he's like all right get the fuck out yeah that's taken care of you know wipes his hands work is done and then there's the the Scott love moment where uh, he's yes. like, drink this water, you know, and realises it. And he's like, no, no! But um, he also is like, you know, um, the, the sun's going to be up soon. We're all going to get out of here. And, like, it's actually a really nice scene. Mm-hmm. Like, where he is so positive that they're going to get out of there. Yeah, and it's like, what difference? Like, they don't even know if anything makes any difference when the sun's up to when it's down. Like, exactly. It's never once confirmed, but I guess it's easier to see where you're going. That's about it. Easier to sort of step around the rapey trees, you know. Give them Maybe the rapey trees aren't, aren't awake during yeah. the day. Maybe they're nocturnal. Who knows? Mm. But uh, that. I, I am a scientist. I can see that. I'm not. <laughs> your, your, your expertise on uh, suspect trees knows no bounds. I'm a social scientist. <laughs> These trees are sociable. They're sociable. Like I, could, people, but... I could study them as criminals. Mm-hmm. And try to understand why they commit the, the crimes that they do based on their social circumstances. I guess it's tough. Like, they're hard all the time. 
You know, they they need a release because they are just hard from sunset oh, to sunset. That's psychology. I'm no. <laughs> As a criminologist, we don't do that. Yeah, we we, we don't, don't study that. the individual. We study the crime as a social response to things. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Sorry, don't go that far. Okay. Everyone's like, Ooh. when I tell people I was doing criminology, everyone's like, oh, so like CSI. I was like, fuck no. no. I'm too pretty for science. <laughs> I'm too pretty for maths. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> Just dial it back a little. That's where I'm at. <laughs> look, kind of. Actually, I was uh, my ex-boyfriend before Ned. Uh, he was he did forensic science. Now he is probably t- also too pretty for math, but um, <laughs> he was really he was really good at his job. Um, and then when I was like, "Oh, I do social science," he's like, "That's not a real science." Oh, what a, is, did you just break up with him then and there? No, I went and enrolled in a um, biological science degree okay, and like, spent a you. year getting high distinctions before I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. Fair. I was like, I'll fucking show you. Yes, yeah. I'll show you real science. I actually was going to study to be a taxidermist. Um, But yeah. (sighs) I love taxidermy. I've got so, I don't have tons anymore, but I've got a good assortment of taxidermy. I literally could have just gone to mortuary school and done the same thing and paid way less money. But I digress. Um, (laughs) So Linda does a sneaky little uh dash back inside the house and attacks ash with the yeah. dagger she's got the old demon dagger stabs yeah. him and then gets the old uh the licking going on off the blade oh yeah that grosses me out just any like body part near a knife i'm like oh don't do that yeah and, and don't so, do, that's dangerous there's a part in this too that doesn't gross me out i think it just weirds me out or slash frustrates me because she's got the dagger holding it as you would a dagger yeah. but then does a weird hand change and then holds the dagger on the blade part like this almost like she wants to swing a hammer oh you're like I'm that's like, dangerous you directed her in this part of the scene this makes no sense but get anyway. the knife off her yeah don't trust this woman with a knife. No. Um, but anyway, uh, Ash manages to get the dagger off her and stabs her, causing her to spew white liquid and blood all over the place. Mm-hmm. So obviously Ash is devastated that his girlfriend and friends are all dead slash dying. As Very you would, much so. As you would be. Very much so. He's a broken man, but he's holding it together. Yeah. He remembers the dismemberment thing that the, the professor <sighs> yeah. put on the tape, so he carries Linda to the shed, chains her down. and We, we get some nice... Uh, homages to that in like army of darkness and stuff yeah. so it's cool to see that they they connect little breadcrumbs like that but yeah you can't do it no you can't, he sees the cheap necklace with the magnifying <laughs> and goes, and he's like i can't do it can't cut you up baby i don't want to damage this precious jewelry that i purchased for you and <laughs> it was like 20 bucks back inside oh uh, yeah no he decides he's gonna bury her he bears her, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, which, you know, unfortunately we know, sorry, mate, but you should have continued revving that chainsaw and dismembering her. Look, it just would have been easy. I get it. You're emotional. It's a really somber moment. Uh, Cheryl's inside bashing the door in excitement. Mm-hmm. She's just going fucking nuts. Hammer and tongue on the door inside. Um, and uh, Linda is buried in a grave next to Shelley, I'm assuming, because it's got a little cross, it's freshly dug, and then Linda's chucked in there. Uh, However, Linda rises from the grave and attacks Ash, and she absolutely digs her claws with her gross-ass nails into his leg. And I was like... His his jeans and and flesh gets shredded from those claws. It looks great. So gross. The very next scene, though, he's... 
legs are his pants are whole and you don't see any wounds because he, he picks up this big steel pylon yeah and like throws it on he's <laughs> yeah. weigh probably 50 kilos and he's swinging it like it's a, a like it's nothing spaghetti. <laughs> but he, yeah he smacks her around with this thing we get a bit more of that uh dead-eyed milk squirting about yeah but i love that she just keeps laughing yeah until uh he decapitates her with a shovel Yep, yeah, jumps at her and he swings the shovel and off with the head. But she just and, keeps um, on laughing. Yeah, the head's there lying away from the blood, uh, away from the body. The body's on top of ash. There's blood pouring out of the neck wound. Oh, and it's like, oh, oh it's, it's so fantastic. Good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, a incredibly, an incredibly, I'm studying to be an English teacher and that's how I'm going to speak. Um, an incredibly blood-soaked Ash returns to the cabin to discover that Cheryl has escaped. Yeah, she's uh, she's busted free of that cellar door. She's fucking later. <laughs> and then she's escaped, but then she's somehow outside. She's just outside. She's just yeah. like, oh, I'll just fucking hang out here. It's cool. Went out there to talk to Linda's severed head, I guess, or something. <laughs> just I don't know. patching up. Yeah, but uh, Ash, Ash, Ash shoots a flush with the old shotgun. And then he goes into, I've got to lock this place down, you know. I've got yeah. to secure the entries and exit points. <laughs> Which doesn't help. No. But um, he realises, oh, this is a scene that I actually really love. Because um, Cheryl is trying to get inside the house and her art, like hand is inside the door. Mm-hmm. And Ash just fucking bashes her hand off with the butt of the gun. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, oh. That, that squishy dead-eyed hand bits. I was like, that's fucked. I love it. Yeah. Um, he realizes he he's got no shotgun shells left, and he goes into the cellar. Now, this is once again where I'm like, "How is this cellar never ending?" It's so big. There's so much space. You can have such a big party down there. I literally wrote here. There's so many room for activities. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so "There cool. is so much going on down there." There's a projector screen. Yeah, there's a film room in there. <laughs> the, the the projector thing never even gets brought up until just now. And they could have been having a movie night. Yeah, and obviously the the projector ends up sparking and ceasing to function. Well, there but... was blood all over the screen, so I guess like maybe the blood that's seeping from like the fucking walls and everything yeah, got into the projector. Yeah, the, the scene where there's sort of a pipe um, almost held together with some kind of like clothing and a bit of flesh or something, and Ash is <laughs> staring at it for a while. The pipe bursts and there's blood pissing everywhere all over Ash and then it's coming out of, like, the power sockets. Oh, it's everywhere. Bulbs. It's so it's cool. Blood on blood on blood. It's so cool. Everyone needs to watch this just for the practical effects. And now what people don't understand is how prolific Raimi got with his practical effects in influencing so many, uh, like, slasher and gore films following mm-hmm. this. Like, The Evil Dead's influence has no bounds. 100%, yeah. And it's like, I, I like I will sit sometimes. <laughs> I, I wrote this on Twitter about how I just sit and I'm like, fuck, I love Stephen King. But I also sit and I'm like, fuck, I love Sam Raimi. Like, without The Evil Dead, I don't think we would have gotten as incredible practical effects as what we got in, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street just a couple of years later. And the great thing, too, is that we probably wouldn't have got the like Evil Dead probably wouldn't have got anywhere near it was today without Stephen King watching one of the early screeners yes. and saying like how great and how special this movie is and it getting used as a byline for the yeah. movie and the marketing campaign. So they Absolutely. sort of go hand in hand. Thank you, Stephen King. Yeah, I, I love me some Stephen King. Fuck, I love Stephen King. I'm reading his new book at the moment, uh, Billy okay. Summers. It's really good. It's uh, it's about an assassin. It's like more of his crime stuff. Did you ever read The Outsiders? Yep. Yep. Oh, The Outsider, sorry. Um, Big fan of The Outsider. Big fan yeah. of the, the TV 
adaptation they did. Yes. Well, I well, only made one season though. <laughs> I know. I mean, they do actually have a standalone uh, sequel to The Outsider. Okay. Called If It Bleeds. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's a novella. So That's fine. I can I can yeah. smash that out in a night. That but works you can, for me. You can read that without having read The Outsider. And I was like, all right, sweet. But it's meant to be like in that same universe. Fuck, I love okay. Stephen King so much. Me too. And, and just his, there's the Stephen King multiverse and just oh. all these moving parts that connect into all these movies and books and everything. I am all for it. And the fact that he's a character in that own multiverse through the way of the Dark Tower is yeah. just so meta. That's so, so cool. <laughs> Only, only a man who went through a coke addiction and yeah, <laughs> oh, I just he, he's just he, he he's just so incredible and um, he's probably one of the only one of my heroes that I'd really like to meet and yeah, just be I, like <clears throat> thank you because I think I was ten when I watched Salem's Lot and it's such he is a the reason I love film. vampires. <laughs> it's so like it's unnecessarily yeah. long, but it is a yeah. great film. I love it. I hope they turn it into a TV show. I'd love to see it as a TV show. Yeah, yeah, me too. That'd I finished cool. um just finished watching uh, Lizzie's story the other day. Oh, I really uh, Lizzie's story. Lizzie's story. Yeah, Lizzie. I don't know. We're Australian. We'd say we'd say Lizzie. We bastardized many names. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, Julian Moore was was great. Oh, I love Julian Moore. I really do want to watch it, but it's on Apple, and I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake! Hmm. So, if you, can just... you log into just Apple, you don't need an Apple TV to log into the Apple service. Oh no, I can use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can just—I think I can just use it for my desktop. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm not um, too sure. I'll, I'll share you my login credential. No, no. <laughs> I have—I actually have um, a like a 30-day trial subscription. It came with my phone, like my new plan, mm. and okay. I haven't activated it yet because I haven't felt the need to. It's a good watch, and it's it's okay. a, such a dream to watch. Like some of the dream sequences and Ugh. sort of the the parallel worlds, it is a feast for the senses. It's so yeah. pretty, and it's 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 some of the better King to screen adaptations. I know there's a okay. lot of dumpster fires out there. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. Um, he's, but he's, I also just love everything. Yeah, I try to <laughs> like. I'm just um, like, give me all the Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, Doc, like, Doctor Sleep's probably the just about the best adaptation. Yeah. I've seen in That's just Mike Flanagan, my sir. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, are you going to uh, do? You, so you are a fan of Mike Flanagan, or mm-hmm. oh, so you're going to watch Midnight Mass when it comes out soon? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, I am aching to watch that. Yeah, I'm um, very hopeful that that will be great as well. But I know yeah, I'm just going to end up crying my special. eyes out, so it's fine. Thanks, Mike Flanagan, for all that you do for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pouring one out for you and your successes and your talents. Uh, I, my friend and I always joke about having like these Mike Flanagan t-shirts and then um, a podcast actually made a directed by Mike Flanagan shirt and we're like, holy fuck. So, so he's already bought his and I'm like, no, I like the shipping here is r- ridiculous. <laughs> get it drop shipped. Get it shipped over there and then they can ship uh, it to you or something. Yeah, I could probably do that with one of my friends. She, she'd be pretty cool about that, I think. Yeah. Um, so apart from the blood-soaked cellar, there is also a church bell that is chiming, the clock is spinning backwards. Mm-hmm. And what I don't understand is it's like early morning, but the clock only chimes twice. Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies with the clock. Yeah, um, okay, maybe that's what that it is. first reference, it, it freezes both times at 6.50 p.m. But yeah. for, for one thing that irked me, the um, the small hand should have been much further towards the 7 at 6.50 p.m. <laughs> so it took me for a loop at first because when like, it first no. happened... I wrote the note, I'm like, 5.50 p.m. and it's that dark? 
And then when I look later, I'm like, oh, actually, it's 6.50. So I understand now why it's so dark there. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, does, it doesn't chime anywhere near enough on top of being weirdly out of whack with the hands. But I guess yeah. there's, there's demonic powers afoot. Technology will cease know. to function as it should. Like we all know what happens in Evil Dead 2 with the clock there. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. just got crazy arms. Yeah. Uh, outside of the cabin, the fog is building. Now, I love this. It just looks so fucking cool. Um, the windows are flying open and close, open and close. Ash is panicking. He's also having a moment of realisation that he can tell that he might not get out of there alive. Can that person not do a burnout right now? <laughs> he's escaping from the cabin as we speak. He's oh, He is in the Delta out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he pulls out... <laughs> the chain and the pendant that he gave Linda. Yeah. I don't know. Is this meant to be like a moment of motivation? Um, he notices that in all... Oh, wait, no, I skipped everything. So... Um, you skipped like the dream state mirror, you know, when he's he goes to touch the mirror and his hand goes in and the mirror becomes oh, almost like a watery substance. I didn't like that bit. That made me feel a little bit nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, leaning into Ash's sanity, I guess, getting questioned and he's oh, yeah. to the mind break. I mean, after all of that, you'd feel a little bit crazy or you'd question what is reality and what isn't. So, mm-hmm. yes, I do like that they do that. Um, Ash is attacked again by Cheryl through the door. She bashes her way in. Scotty has become possessed. He's still in the cabin. So, like, Ash has trapped Scott in the cabin yeah, with him. He's possessed. Almost, it's pretty much almost just like his corpse was just beside him, you know, yeah. like from, from where, he, where he, I guess, died in air quotes on the couch trying to drink that, that water. I thought he just passed out. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. Oh, fuck, he died. Yeah, but he, he switches into deadite form and... But he goes, he goes in a big way as far as uh, how yeah. he gets killed off. So I love that they have this big, huge scuffle, 50, cu- 50 cuffs, and Ash stabs him through the stomach with the dagger. And just the blood that comes out of this, it's like a, a, a hose. Yeah. Cause I he, was impressed. Because he does the, the old eye pop first, gets the thumbs oh, in the yeah. eyes. Because got him lifted scenes. up in, in the strangle form. Gets, gets the old double thumbs in the eyes and turns his eyes to, to liquid. And oh, yeah. From where, from where the trees were, I guess, assaulting Scott earlier, there was a bit of, like, tree branch in the side of him and Ash yeah. pulls that out. And it's almost like he's he's had the plug pulled out. And oh, yeah, that's just the plug right. just, like, stabbed. <laughs> yeah. out of oh. him. I love that. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Right. Yeah. <sighs> Blood scenes. Ridiculous blood scenes always get me. Especially when it feels like they just hit like a fire hose. And yeah. Just shoots out like that. And It's my dream to be one of the people that just hit the button for those oh, blood yeah. scenes. And I'll be like, that was me. I pressed go. Mm-hmm. I approved this. <laughs> I initiated this sequence and this, uh, this, this bloodletting right now that's taking place. Yeah. Uh, Ash notices that the Book of the Dead is next to the fireplace and it's actually started to burn a little bit. So he's obviously going to be like, let's fucking get right in the fire. But uh, Cheryl intervenes and beats the absolute shit out of him with a fire poker. And I mean, like, she really fucking beats him. I was like, whoa! Yeah, because because Scott's, Scott's got hold of his legs. Yeah. And Ash is reaching out for the Necronomicon. Mm. Cheryl's just going to town on his back with the hot poker. Oh, my God. I just die. And, and then you see it cuts back to Scott 
starting to chew on Ash's leg. He's like <laughs> into his calf. And then That's so good. He MacGyver's things with the, the trusty old um, magnifying glass yeah. fancy jewellery. He's like, I'm going to throw this as almost like a lasso and pull the Necronomicon towards um, myself. He is modern day <laughs> MacGyver. So it's, yeah, these scenes are just the, the scenes that are the ones that I'm like, this is why I love this movie and why I love this series because they they don't ever say, oh, that's not that's that's not something you would be able to accomplish. Yeah. They lean into the ridiculous. And even though this this film is very serious compared to the others, um, you know, we we go, oh, you know, the, the impossible is is possible. Mhm. Most and definitely. I, it's so cool. And and I, and I had like a light bulb moment when I watched this this scene play out again when it was like okay so that's why it had to be some kind of obscure shape on the end of this necklace because a it was just a, a nice silver chain there's nothing there to sort of I guess hook onto the Necronomicon to pull it towards yourself so I'm like okay I get it now but yeah also it's a dumb jewelry choice for your girlfriend also stupid Ash, you cheap cheap bastard yeah get your shit together. Um, so he manages to overpower them and after he's taken a beating with this metal fire poker, which I just would have been like, kill me now, hit me in the head, I'm done, uh, he throws the book into the fire. Mm -hmm. Scotty and Cheryl start to fall apart and die. Now, this is the coolest part of this film. Um, so they disintegrate, but not in the way that, like, you would expect them to just crumble to ash. Yeah, they, they decompose rapidly. They're, like, rapidly decaying. There's bodily fluid oozing out. Their blood is boiling. They're turning into just skeletons. Um, and Ashley's just laying there, like, what the fuck is, like, what are you doing? Um, so when he thought it was all over, he, um, these giant... I don't know if they're hands or like... Yeah, they're, they're like demonic arms that yeah. sort of burst out of the stomach slash backs of Cheryl and Scott. Oh. And, and I remember watching this for the first time when I was young and I'm like, oh my God, we're going to see like maybe the true form of these demons or whatever. But no, it's just their, I guess, their final death throws before, yeah. they, before they break because they obviously smash the ground, big guts and blood explosion and there's muck everywhere and sinew and and covered in all this gunk and it's the best. It's so fucking good. Um, I wrote in my notes here just in big, bold letters, I'm like, I love stop motion. Like just watching this, um, this rapid decay to Cheryl and Scott, it's so great and it's so 80s and I'm all about it. I fell in love with stop motion with Henry Selick and ever since then I'm just obsessed. So like seeing this in a film and I'm like, oh, one of my favourite like film techniques and and filming, you know, uh, styles now in like a horror movie, I was just like, oh, this is it for me. Yeah, I I love it so much and um, it's bittersweet because like one of my favourite movies of all time is Jurassic Park and it was leaning heavy into stop motion then it was sort of the the pioneer almost of, of the next next gen of CGI. So it yeah. was sort of almost the the beginning of the end of stop motion at the same time. But seeing it just realised on the screen here with Raimi and co, it's just like, oh, it's so good. Do you want to know something really gross about those melting corpses? Of course I do. Do you want to know what they were made out of? Of course I do. It's not going to be nice, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Everything from oatmeal to cockroaches. Oh, 
Yeah, because you, you do get a random like a half dozen live cockroaches in the. Imagine the like final cockroaches scene. creep me out. They are evil, <laughs> evil creatures. They're just gross. Like my cats used to bring them in from our garden, and we don't have like your normal variety of cockroaches where I live. I live near the bush, so we have like massive garden cockroaches. Yeah, you got them like, big boy cockroaches. Dragging them into the house, and like most of the time they're dead by the time they get in because they're quite fragile. When you think it's like how. How is my cat's teeth through your back what kills you after you've survived, like, how many nuclear bombs and, like, the Big Bang and the Jurassic period? You're now my cat, which weighs two kilos, (laughs) bit your bum, and you're dead. That's all it took. That's all it took? Fucking... Yeah, sounds very. They, right. they are gross creatures. So I'm, gross. I'm not a fan of cockroaches. No, they they are, and like I say, because I live near the bush. Um, in summer, they make their way into my room because I live like near like the back door. My bedroom's near the back door, and I can hear them climbing my curtains at oh. like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, get the fuck out, because they climb in through our cat door. God. And I'm like, get out of here. But uh, actually, recently, I think we like sprayed the outside of the house. Oh, uh, yep, yep. Like, did one of those fancy sprays and they haven't come in for ages. Well, that's so good. I, I, I'm hoping that, that, that worked. Yeah. Keep that up. Get that pest control there regularly done. And you should be uh, sleeping with a lot less cockroach based disruptions. I highly recommend not living near the bush. Yeah, I grew up in the country. So, same <laughs> yeah, thing. You just we, had, we had cockroaches and spiders. We had snakes in our house a few times because we had a oh. nature reserve that backed onto oh, our. Okay. I have a nature reserve, like maybe, like there's like my house, another house, and then the nature reserve. Yeah. And I, we haven't had a snake here. Yeah, no, they we might have. A few. It was uh, pretty scary. Gross. Yep. But that's, I mean, like snakes actually cool. don't bother me as long as they don't bite me. That's true. I think that's that's most people's stance, right? They're, they're okay as long as they don't bite me. I mean, if it's if it's not a venomous or poisonous snake that comes into my house, I would probably try and pick it up yep. and remove it from my house. Yep. Fair. I pick up lizards. I rescue lizards from my cats all the time. Uh, that's fun because yeah. it started with me needing to use a tissue to help them out of the house, and now I can just pick them up with my bare hands. So I'm like, okay, lizards aren't gross. They're not gross. They're not gross. They're little creatures. They're just it's tiny little skins. Break their little tails off as a sort of a, a and they wriggle around my yard in my house, and I'm like, oh, fucking, oh. like sometimes um, there's just lizard carcasses all over my house and i'm like where did this come from you weren't here when i vacuumed and now you're here yeah we get uh we get the occasional um cane toad here which oh because you're in queensland yes no thank you and because obviously they're very poisonous to the doggos i've always Mm. got especially when it's rained i have to do a scout around the house around the yard to make sure there's none around because the boys are just uh they'd go nuts over that they'd be like fuck yeah what's this let's get it I hate them. I hate them so much. Yeah, they make me feel sick. I uh, I went on a holiday to far north Queensland when I was like 10 and there was actually a cyclone while we were up there because it was cyclone season and there were cane toads everywhere and I've just, it, they make me want to vomit. Yeah, they're a horrible, horrible creature. Yeah, we're in Rockhampton. So, oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the end is nigh. The end um, is nigh. Ash uh, hears the dark disembodied voice of the dark demon Kendarian people saying, join us. Uh, uh, Rising from the ground, the sun is coming through the windows and shining on Ash's bloodied face. 
The sun begins to rise over the cabin, and Ash, as Ash heads outside, an unseen evil speeds through the forest, breaks through the doors of the cabin, and descends upon him. He turns around and screams in terror before the film cuts to the end credits. Mm-hmm. I love the end scene of that because it's just like, ah, did he get out alive? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, did Ash survive? Did he not? Is he now a deadite? Uh, it's it's such a good good change to usual, you know, the usual fantastic positivity that you see in a lot of <laughs> films. You know, where they, oh, we've survived, it's okay, the world is fine, we're okay. Yes, we lost some friends, but it's sunshine and rainbows. But in this, it's like. Ooh, did Ash is ultimately it? succumb to the the evil spirit that yeah. for some reason instead of just coming around the side of the house and went, no, I'm charging through the back door and then I'm charging all the way through the front and then it went straight into uh, Ash's mouth and then it cuts to yeah. some like old-timey jaunt. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, oh, uh, that's weird. <laughs> it was so out of place. Yeah. But then it was oh, also in place, I think, because it was just that's very Raimi. Yeah, because he's just like, it's weird. Let's do it. Yeah. I feel like if I was a filmmaker, I would be like Raimi's prodigy because I would be like, it doesn't fit here. Let's do it. Yeah, let's make it fit. Let's, uh, we're going to make uh, Look, we have to use it. We we bought this. We bought the rights to this song um, and we're going to use it. Sorry. I'll do that. That's it's logic. You, you probably hate it. I don't give a shit. Hmm. We're using it. I'd be ruthless as a filmmaker. Yeah, but it's, it's awesome that it ended on that open-ended question. Did, did yeah. he, didn't he? What's going to happen? Yeah. Take it away. And I like that the Evil Dead 2 isn't a sequel. Yeah. But everybody seems... A lot of people who obviously aren't familiar with the Evil Dead series don't know that Evil Dead 2 is not the sequel uh, Army of Darkness is. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they kind of get it confused because they're like, there's the Evil Dead, then there's Evil Dead 2. And it's Especially like, Especially well, with, the, yeah, the naming convention. Yeah. Because <laughs> then the third one is Evil Dead Army of Darkness. It's not Evil Dead 3 or anything like that. No, it's, it's actually just Army of Darkness, isn't it? Yeah, they didn't yeah. even have the Evil Dead attached to it. And I like that because it's like you could probably watch Army of Darkness without watching anything else, but it'd be really confusing. Yeah, um, we, we did a, because um, it's obviously it leans heavy into the, the comedy side of it. Yeah, um, we did with uh, with Jono with his comedy rewind podcast. We made him do uh, Army of Darkness with myself and Matt Stallone what? from Audio Technica. So we I did didn't a know that cover on that. And um, so he, he made sense of it. He didn't watch the first Evil Dead film or, or Evil Dead Two. He just jumped straight in Army of Darkness because he's not a horror boy. He's oh, terrified of horror movies. That's okay. Yeah, there's got to be one person in your group of friends. Did sissy? Yeah. <laughs> 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 my sister's like oh i don't know how you watch this i was like oh i put it on and i open my eyes and i listen that's it i just do that's <laughs> I just uh, do it i press play and away it goes and off we go i got my snacks maybe yeah. my blankie and uh that's it that's all i need <laughs> that's all i need Ah, <laughs> uh, well thank you for joining me for evil dad it has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, um, I love laughing to, uh, about things with you. <laughs> it's, it's been great to, to riff on this movie because it's <laughs> it's so special, I think, not only to yeah. us but also to, I think, the horror universe as a whole. Agreed. For what it did at the time, for what they showed you could do with not a huge amount of money and just yeah. some crazy ideas, you know? Just some crazy-ass film school graduates. That's so great. Imagine doing that. And then just being the creator of such an incredible universe and such yeah, like it's, an amazing it's, franchise. It's almost like one of those uh, origin stories about, you know, like before viral was a thing, like this is like yeah. viral in the 80s, you know. This was just, yeah, yeah some, some school kids 
taking a chance on a crazy idea and, and look at where they are now. Yeah. It's that so just wouldn't, good. would that even happen nowadays? I don't, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of little upstart indie films that have sort of come out of nowhere that's had this type of impact and there's not many. I mean, you do have your Ari Aster films, but in saying that Ari Aster did have the backing of A24, but A24 mm-hmm. believes in indie creators yeah. and indie film, you know, independent filmmakers. And I think that that A24, I just absolutely commend for, for the for the work that they do for 110%. But A24, please hurry up and release The Green Knight in Australia so I can watch it. I really want to watch it. Do you have a VPN? Yeah. On the 18th of this month? Oh, they've month? got that watch along. Yeah. Yes, I will be there because <laughs> yeah, it's at like 11 a.m. Australian time. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yes, I'm going to sign up for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw the the social post and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to jump on. And it's like, oh, it's not available in your region. I'm like, fuck you. Just chuck your VPN on, buy your ticket, and you'll be fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. It looks so good. I think it's only like 20 bucks as well. It's yeah, well, yeah. well worth the price of admission and absolutely wait for that movie. It's going to be phenomenal. And then obviously A24 is releasing Lamb, mm-hmm. uh, I think later this year or early next year, which I like, give me folk horror, put it in my veins, I'm, I'm, give it to me. It looks so creepy, so yeah. eerie. And uh, um, how do, is it Numi, Nami, Nomi? How do you pronounce her first name? I, Numi Rapace? I don't know how to. She's remember. a great actress. Yeah. She's um she's been in a few A twenty four films. Hmm. I'm actually writing a review on an A twenty four film at the moment called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, I have not oh, seen please that. Please watch it and tell me what you think. Okay, I'll give it a look. Yes, I'm obsessed with it. It oh mate mate. Do I need to VPN mate. that or can I find yeah. it on normal services? Um, I had to VPN it, but I will let you know if they've released it in, okay. on normal services now. I don't, I'll, it's I'll been a while continue. since I watched it, but yeah. fuck, I love it. Mm. It's just so much good cinema. Yes. So I watched it on good. Netflix US. Okay. Yeah, so All I watched right. it on Netflix um, VPN. In, Easy. All yeah, right. I just watched it on American Netflix because like, it took me forever to find it, and then they it was like US Netflix, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'll just put my VPN on and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I just hate Australian Netflix. It's so shit. Yeah, we, we get the watered-down poor cousin versions of everything. I know. Same with Shudder. Yeah, I, I watch you. US Shudder all the time. Yeah. Hey, you Shudder, not very good. No, not very good. I think I've watched everything that's worth watching on there, and now it's just a bunch of trash. Chuck it on US. It's got yeah. such good shit on there. Watch all the giallos. Mm. Yes. Mm. Give me Italian crime cinema with some messed-up horror story. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, um, as always... As I always ask individuals, what's the last horror film you watched? The last horror film I watched, it's going to be embarrassing, but I watched uh, Great White the other day, the new sort of like shark horror film that was. Oh, I won't watch those. No. Mm -mm. It was not very good. So I, even though you you don't watch those, definitely do not watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it was that bad? Yeah, I rented it through Apple TV, through whatever, you know, on demand service it was, and it was just not a good time. Oh. I like a good creature feature and I like the, the leaning into the, you know, the creatures of the deep and like vicious sharks and stuff like that. But it was, you could see it was done cheaply and um, it was 90 minutes that I didn't overly enjoy. Sadly. I'm so sorry to hear that. Just watch Lake Placid. It'll make you feel better. That's so good. <laughs> I love Portman, that movie. Yes. Betty White. I love that movie as a kid. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so it's, weird. It's one of the best crop <laughs> it's films. one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah. I was like, Dad, can we watch Lake Placid again? Um, my sister was like, no. <laughs> I, I love that film. It's, it's one of the best it. creature features there is. Yeah. I love anything with a – I have a weird crocodile obsession, which yeah, is I'm, fun. I'm, I'm a big sort of cro- – any, any sort of vicious killing creature I've always been yeah. infatuated with. Oh, I have like a weird obsession with like sharks and crocodiles because I'm just like those things, if I got in the water with them, I'd be dead. Me and not too. because they want to kill me, just because they wouldn't know any different. Mm. And that's what? like that weird lizard brain part of these animals that's just so intuitive and so like, oh, you look like food, I guess I'll eat you. Yeah, that's so cool so many so many great creature feature films yeah uh, what was um, crawl is meant to be really crawl, good i haven't seen really that good. i haven't really seen good that. yeah i really liked uh really like crawl um and then i'm trying to think of the other one with the is it was it burning not burning bright or was it burning bright where the the um the tiger gets locked in the house with the so. kids during a storm yeah. as well that sounds familiar yeah, burning. I think it's burning bright. It was pretty good too. But no, I liked, I like crawl because that was a Alexandra Asia film. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, what you went from that to? Uh, I, I guess I'm not going to complain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I yeah, watching like shark films aren't. I won't watch shark films because I live on the coast. I spend a lot of time in the beach. I don't Mm -hmm. like, I watched Jaws as a kid and couldn't even go in the deep end of my swimming pool at my house. So uh, I'll just watch shark week documentaries from the safety of my house. Facts. Only facts. Only facts. (laughs) You don't need any nightmare fuel shaping any fear in your head when you're taking a swim at the beach. No, and but the thing is, like, I live at beaches where like nobody has ever been attacked by sharks. But anyway, <laughs> you don't know that could change this year. You never, never know. You never know. So, thank you for joining me. And Thanks for having um, me. Where can we find you on the social medias? Yeah, find me everywhere at uh, Brendan Eight Bit. That's A T E B I T. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere like that. Just just plug it in them search engines, and I'll pop up there. And um, yeah. And your podcast? Yes. Yeah, so um, you can find my podcast and, and a collective of other podcasts that we do at 8bit.net. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. So if you're looking for video games and sort of culture-related content, it's all there. We do a lot of film stuff. We do a lot of TV stuff, video gaming, obviously, uh, D&D, various other Hell role-play yeah. stuff, some sports stuff. We do a bit of everything. We do a bit of everything. It's more infotainment, you know. We, we, we inform, but mostly we try to entertain and have a laugh and it's just, it's just good discussion like this it's just two mates having a chin wag about whatever topic it is so uh, that's yeah. what you can find there at apit.net awesome well thank you once again and please support and follow brendan and support the 8-bit network wherever you can thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with your friends put it on social media i mean i don't really use social media except twitter uh i'll leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on Twitter at catstead underscore and on Instagram at cattgif. For all the latest from the podcast, follow us on Twitter at tgifpod. You've been listening to TGIF. Until next time.